Hi, it's Bob from Royal Spa. Soaking in a hot tub full of Epsom salts is the absolute best way to minimize everyday aches and pains. And we know all about Epsom salts at Royal Spa. Royal Spa hot tubs are the only hot tubs on the market that can safely and effectively use Epsom salts. Made right here in Indiana, Royal Spa hot tubs are the highest quality hot tubs on the market. Visit any one of our three Indianapolis locations or visit royalspa.com. Ah, Royal Spa. All right, let's get things going on this Tuesday. Thanks for waking up with us. It's the Wake Up Call. He's Kevin Bowen. I'm Andy Sweeney. Mark Dykton producing today's effort. So it's 701. What do you think's going on right now, perhaps? Is Tyrese Halliburton waking up? And if so, we hope that Hammy is feeling good because today we could finally get uh, the majority of the Pacers team back in action together tonight in Boston. Fellas, a good morning. How's your hamstring feeling this morning, KB? Everything good? I'll be honest. Hammy is a little sore. It's a little tight. And you know what? I, I don't think you really need to be drinking coffee right now in the city of Indianapolis. Just strictly the exhilarating feel of having to dodge potholes now every morning on the right. roads. I'm glad you brought this there up. Is- Brother. No need to be ingesting anything from a caffeine standpoint. It's it feels like I'm in the Indianapolis 500. It's probably the closest I will ever get. Did you hit get. one? Did you uh, hit one? No, I, I dodged it, and then again, I think I pulled the hamstring and just getting to the edge of my seat as I was trying to dodge it. I thought the body language made the difference there, uh, but I think all four tires have a decent. PSI here moving into this Tuesday morning. I, I was going to say there's there's no doubt. I'm sure just about every other city complains about this, but I was thinking, boy, I really feel like Indianapolis, they have the gold badge of courage or whatever for potholes. I mean, Are they going to fill those before All-Star Weekend? Usually cities do that, right? I, I'm thinking like some of the size of Joel Embiid. <laughs> Are we Dude, trying to give a tribute to him you know, leading into All-Star there's Weekend? A, there's a couple downtown and everyone knows, you know, I'm, so I'm coming down, I'm flying up and down New York or, or Washington or whatever to go to the east side for Irvington and I know there's one and I didn't think about it yesterday you know a little groggy driving in and KB I hit it flush and I couldn't do anything because I couldn't swerve into the left lane I hit it flush and I thought I thought it was going to take off the front end of my car JMV had a flat tire over this on Friday yeah Maddie got, did you see that Maddie got two the other night two um, flat tires yeah two. Oh. now I think a little bit might have been her own you know human error um, I think she's still still sleeps. I could probably say that, but yeah, right now, again, there's no coffee needed each morning. You just simply uh, remember your pathway into work or school or wherever you're going and dodge the potholes. And like you said, you can't swerve in the other lane. Well, you're going to hit somebody else and then then you have a big problem. Can I ask this? I don't know how we do this if this is YouTube. And we'll have to go back to it. I don't know. Our individual Twitter accounts and I don't know everyone's by by heart other than mine. At the only Sweeney. Uh, Even the station account. What's the best pothole right now in the Indianapolis area? I need to know because there's one down by the La Quinta down here. uh, Downtown. And they put a they put a right cone. off Washington they, Street. They yeah. put a, they put a cone on it, Mark, and they just thought that people would miss it. Then they took the cone out, and like I'm I'm serious. I could take a bath in that pothole. There was one where um I was driving home the other day, and someone in their front uh, lawn put hole on a sign and a little arrow pointing in front of their lawn. I'm like, what a just an incredibly nice neighborly thing to do to alert everyone that there is a hole right there. So. Yeah, maybe they're not too fond of their neighbor. Maybe that's what they were doing. Well, oh man, maybe that is it. That's, that's where my heart is. Though, no, it should be. On this, I'm Tuesday glad you find. Morning. You know, that's the courage of Kevin Bowen. That's the courage yeah. of this show to bring up the things that matter. But usually, but last thing I know, Pacers tonight. Uh, we have some cold stuff. Carlisle at eight o'clock. Mike DeCourcy at eight thirty. Um, usually, when there's like in a big event, you know, around the city, they do things to clean up the city. 
We're getting pretty close here to the All-Star Well, weekend. honestly, it's probably one of those things where we just need to wait till the last minute and then fill yeah, everything. Well, you're, you're probably right. Inevitably, there will be another you know, a couple dozen potholes Well, there's supposed to be here. some sleet today for a few minutes, I guess, in 9, 10 o'clock hour. We'll see. Anyway. Good Tuesday morning to everybody out there. Thank you for spending it with us. It is the Wake Up Call. I'm Kevin Bowen, Andy Sweeney, and Mark Dykton on the ones and twos. As Andy said, Rick Carlisle coming up. At 8 o'clock, Tyrese Halliburton, a 20-minute scrimmage for him yesterday. Um, the thought is, as long as he wakes up feeling good today in Boston, he will give it a go. I would think the Celtics are waking up a little bit sore from last night. They had a pretty taxing effort against the Pelicans. They were down 10 at halftime. They had to leave their starters in deep, deep into the fourth quarter to come back and win that game. So that is some good news, I think, for the Pacers in benefiting from a back-to-back. I know the Pacers have been kind of on the wrong end of it here the last couple of weeks, just how the schedule falls. Uh, they're on the good end of it tonight. couple of things to note. Not only Halliburton injury, but uh, Miles Turner, questionable with back spasms. He did say to Jake and Jimmy yesterday that he plans to give it a go, but again, just something to um, kind of cross off the list. Benedict Matherin with a toe injury is yeah, questionable. Uh, and also, for those that have... Obviously been in the routine of Bally Sports, Bally Sports, Bally Sports. This is exclusively on TNT tonight. So no Bally action for you here. Chris Tenary, Quinn Buckner, and company getting the night off. This will be the TNT nationally televised broadcast, and it is a 7.30 tip each and every night this week. So tonight in Boston, New York on Thursday, back on Bally on, on Thursday, and then they'll round out the week here in uh, Indy against Sacramento, that is also a 7.30 tip. Yeah, just looking, by the way, the Knicks got to sit everyone. You know, Randall's out a couple weeks. They got to uh, sit OG Ananobi as well, and they beat the Hornets. Now, I did see, even though it's TNT, you know, uh, you know, uh, Denarian Company, they get to go on the trip. You know, they're in Boston right now. It's Chris Denary's birthday, I think, yesterday. Did you see? They're out for like a steak dinner or something like that. Well, so the that. guys had a good time last yeah, they night. Were at the, I was told they were at the clubs until the wee hours <laughs> of the morning. <laughs> the Boston area clubs? The Boston the inf- area clubs. The infamous yeah. Boston maybe, nightlife? Maybe the Providence area clubs. I don't know <laughs> if they you know ventured over into that neck of the woods. But yes, obviously they're out there because the Pacers are still on the road Thursday in New York. So... Uh, they will be there for that one. And as Andy said, not only the Julius Randle, but OG Ananobi, what do I see? Elbow inflammation yeah, there. Yeah, he didn't so, play. Well, it's the Hornets, you know. So it could be. Take um, a night off. We'll see how much the Knicks you know, are, are dealing with injuries here. But again, huge one tonight. Goes without saying, you're 2-2 two and two against Boston this season. It's been quite the variety of games. Obviously, the first one with Pascal Siakam in the lineup. Kristaps Porzingis did not play last night due to an ankle injury. That'll be something to keep an eye on him. You know, Andy, when you face a team as often as the Pacers have, you go back to those earlier meetings and it's like, man, it's hard to kind of take anything from any of them because they've all had their own very individual storylines. You lost by 50 right. in the first meeting of you the year. You throw that one out, basically. Without right? Halliburton, you totally throw that one. The second one was the in-season tournament. For the most part, both teams were really healthy in that one. Uh, the Pacers won that here in Indianapolis. Um, then Boston beats you here on a Saturday night when you know Tatum and Jalen Brown go off for 70 combined. And then the last meeting was when Halliburton got hurt. And you know, you're down at half and Boston didn't have Jason Tatum and Benedict Matherin was really good in that game and you were able to beat them that night. So, you know, for the most part, we still have got some you know guys to cross off the questionable list, but it looks like both of these teams will be relatively healthy. Boston's on a back to back. 
I was a little surprised to see the line as big as it is. Uh, Boston's favored by seven and a half. Yeah, seven and a half. A touchdown, a touchdown in the hook, as they would say. I, I listen, and I know there's some game time decision stuff. Uh, just move the Celtics out of this. I, I mean, I think. You know, Pacers fans now for the last several weeks, and no doubt going back to the last time, KB, they played Boston uh, and having the injury. I mean, everyone can remember you won that game, but it was such a grim scene and all the, the brass was there and Halliburton's aging. You were at the game, right? You yeah. were at that mm-hmm. game. Yeah, into uh, the first half, night of the national title game. Yeah, I, I mean, that everybody is holding their breath and uh, just kind of waiting to see what was going to happen with Halliburton. He gets carried off. He has, you know, the towel on the head and everything else and you know the last few weeks uh, the Siakam has given you a jolt of energy this and I can't wait to talk with Carlisle coming up at 8 o'clock this past weekend uh, I said it yesterday I'll say it again today the Thursday Friday Sunday winning those three games before hitting the road and going to play a team like Boston was so big I mean this could be a loss where they would have been 500 if they lose those games you lose tonight suddenly you're a 500 basketball team but I mean the chance to see and really see, you hope, an extended amount of time now you get to see Halliburton with Siakam and with all of the, and I call them, and they they should, you know, they're they're more than this, the complementary pieces. Uh, You would imagine Turner's back. I mean, he basically told uh, Jay Query yesterday and Jimmy Cook. And by the way, Jimmy only wears the Kansas City Chiefs ring on game day. I was wrong about that. He has a special ring. I talked about this Mm, last week. Sure, his wife is relieved about Um, that. He takes the ring off uh, each Sunday. They only knew about it on their show because I guess the Chiefs opened, if you remember, on Thursday night football. No! <laughs> Thursday night football. But if I get to see everyone, right? Like, this is, you haven't got this. You know, Siakam has been good, and he's been good to very good to great without Halliburton and company. Now you get him back in the next few games for these guys to figure out their flow. And it might not even take them a few games, is going to be fantastic. This is like a low key, like, fun night for Pacer fans. You get Halliburton back. Turner back, and you hope Matherin plays as well. Well, I, yeah, and I, I don't even know if I would call it low key. I think for some people that you know either don't subscribe to Bally or don't live in this market, it's one of the few times you see well, the Pacers all fair year enough. long. So I, I think that draws a bunch of eyes, and then you throw on top of it, it could be the first time you've seen Halliburton and Siakam together since that Portland game, and even that game, you know, it was a ten o'clock on a Friday night. You can kind of get lost in the shuffle, and, and I also want to throw this Rick Carlisle's way. When he joins us at 8, and a bit of a hat tip to him, I mean, coming into the season, one of the storylines in that I had concern about, okay, 45-plus wins, what would happen if Halliburton were to miss time? And how were you going to react to that? Last year, this team got run off the floor right. on a routine basis without Halliburton. They were, uh, I think it was 7-19, and 19, I want to say it was, last year. Uh, 12 of those losses by double digits, several of them by at least 20. I mean, just outclassed so often when he was off the floor. And this year, they're 7-6 and six without him. And if you look at some of the wins, it's no, over big Philadelphia. Time wins. Sure. It's over Phoenix. It's at Miami back, if you want to go pre-Siakam even. Uh, how about the Boston game? I know that doesn't qualify necessarily in the 7-6, and six, but Halliburton gets hurt in that game. You're down double figures when he gets hurt. And I know Boston didn't have Jason Tatum in that one, but still. You're able to come back and win that game. Um, so, again, the plan is for Halliburton to play. They're going to see how he feels this morning. And I do think another element to the next week or so, and I don't think it's as much on the front burner as it was pre-Siakam trade, but it also is how does this core look before the trade deadline a week from Thursday? 
Now, part of me sits here and thinks, has the Siakam trade meant the Pacers are done? Are they kind of like, hey, you know what? Buddy Heald and a re-sign, Obi Toppin and a re-sign, we'll worry about that in the offseason. We kind of want to be all in, I know is a really juicy phrase, but we're in on the next couple of months. You know, we're not, you know, all in is exhausting everything and trading, you know, first round picks until whatever, 2030 or however you can. All in on this year, but there is a part of me that's like, wait a minute. The Siakam trade has kind of reset some things and like, you need to get stuff down done early. Like, short-term expectations have even risen more than maybe where they were pre-trade. So I look at it and think, okay, Buddy might not be going anywhere, even though the minutes have been a little up and down for him as of late. Obi Toppin, he might not be going anywhere. I I, I think that's kind of an element to the last week or so post-Siakam trade that I'm like, okay, this could be it for Indiana. And this might be their group here moving forward. Whereas I felt like when the trade happened, I thought to myself, well, they got to make one more well, that's move, That's what right? we all said, right? Because well, there's that log jam at the floor. What else was going on there? Jairus Walker was was in the lineup. I mean, Jairus Walker was playing. Ahead in of some, Obi Toppin. Yeah, he was playing. I mean, there was, and I forget which game it was, where Jairus Walker came in before yeah, I think it was Obi Toppin. Game, maybe? That may have been it. And I just remember us kind of looking at each other saying, okay, now this is the first time that we have seen something like this. I know, coming up at 7.30, we'll do our normal segment here and then a check down. We'll get you some sound. Chad Buchanan, general manager of the Pacers, was on yesterday, about 3.30 or so, a nice conversation with our guy JMV, and talked about these very things. Expiring contracts. You look at Buddy Heald. You look at Obi Toppin. How does that lead you over the next couple weeks, a week and a half or so, with the trade deadline? That was something they talked about. Could this be the group that you do go into the postseason to make a run with. I think that's a conversation piece. And just, you know, in my mind, what is so interesting about the upcoming playoffs is the Pacers got to feel, and they'll never tell us, but you got to feel with the success that you've had against some of these top teams, with the success that you've had specifically against Milwaukee, and then I combine that the 76ers always find a way to choke it in the playoffs, and obviously you really have to worry about a team like Boston. If you get this group right, Boy, the Pacers got to be looking, saying, there's no reason we can't make a run and beat, you know, you you look at some of these teams, the Cavs, the Bulls, some of these lower teams that are along with them, and then how they've performed against some of the top teams in the Eastern Conference. The Pacers, in the next week and a half, uh, have so many decisions, and I don't know, KB, I don't know what the right decision is with what you can get back, draft capital, money, Picks or hey, Buddy Heald and Obi Toppin, we're gonna make it run at this thing the next forty games and see what happens. You touching IU tonight? Looks like a pick'em no. game down in Bloomington yeah, against Iowa. Is it Iowa? down to a pick'em? I saw Iowa at about minus one and a half, but that's pretty close to a pick'em. I actually think Indiana's got a chance in this game. Is that terrible of me to say? You know, I've sat here every single uh, time they played and said, "Take the, you know, take the other team minus whatever number." And I've been right more than not. I kind of feel like Indiana might win tonight. Just can't believe at the start of the year you would have an Iowa team that is not close to the bubble be inside of Assembly Hall, and Andy Sweeney would utter the phrase, "I actually <laughs> think IU has a chance tonight." Yeah, see, I'm not a Fran McCaffrey fan at all, so this is this is part of it. When does IU hit their first three tonight? Uh, d- Forty d- d- minutes without one. 
on Saturday. Okay, well, what would the over-under be? Do they get second one by the TV first t- media timeout? Well, I was going to say second media t- timeout. Uh, I Galloway am, knock one home at 17.28 on the clock? I'm going to say they will not have one in, by the first media timeout, but between the first TV timeout and the second TV timeout in under 12 minutes, they will hit a three-pointer. Let's keep the good vibes going. How about they don't get another one? Boy, I would love for them to be over again tonight. And modern college basketball, that's got to be... <laughs> A wild drought. If somehow it got to like 50 minutes, I guess we'd have to go back to when was the Wisconsin game? Did they hit one late in that one? It's a great point. It's a great point. I don't know. I have to go back uh, that and is look. 7 o'clock tonight in Bloomington. Big Ten Network there. Again, Pacers, Celtics, 730. We'll continue to remind you all morning long, but that is exclusively on TNT. So from a TV standpoint for tonight, if you need to set the DVR or anything like that, it is TNT and not Bally here with the nationally televised game. Rick Carlisle joins us at 8. Good Tuesday morning to you. Good luck in dodging the potholes. I am Kevin Bowen. He is Andy Sweeney. Mark Dykton is with us. Thanks for spending it with us. 93.5-1075, The Fan. The Morning Checkdown, brought to you by the Barbasol Horizon League Basketball Championships. March starts here at the Indiana Farmers Coliseum, March 11th and 12th. All right, it is the Pacers on the road tonight in Boston, 7.30. That tip-off on TNT. You can hear it 7 o'clock right here on The Fan. All right, let's get to some of this sound. Jay Buchanan, Pacers GM yesterday, was on with JMV. This is similar to what you heard from Halliburton. He practiced yesterday. Going to see how he feels this morning. Here's Buchanan yesterday on The Fan. He went through practice today, and things went pretty well. I think we'll see how he feels tomorrow. Optimistic that if everything you know, goes well and he wakes up, feels okay. And the medical staff, everybody is aligned that, you know, we'll have him, you know, give it, give it a go tomorrow. So, uh, but a lot can happen in 24 hours. Never, never know until, you know, you wake up and see how you feel after a workout. Uh, But he's, he's been trending in a a good direction. All right. So hopefully Halliburton wakes up. He feels good. That hammy's good. And we're full throttle there in Boston. Miles Turner was on yesterday with uh, who Jake and company in the 12 o'clock hour. And here's what he had to say about playing in Boston tonight himself. Oh yeah, I'm good, man. I think uh, just my back was, uh, was just like just to mess with me a little bit. And it got a little stiff. And I think it was a precautionary thing just to be on the road for the next four to five days, you know, get on the plane, sleep in different hotel rooms. Uh, if anything, it was a precautionary thing on the medical teams apart. But I'm good, man. I'm, I'll be good to go against Boston. Austin here on a Tuesday. Uh, TJ McConnell off the injury report. Benedict Matherin is questionable. So is Jalen Smith. So a couple other items to note. Halliburton did talk to the media after practice. I did thought he had a really candid comment about the NBA, all-NBA threshold of playing 65 games. He's nearing um, the, the, the number of missed games to not hit that 65-game mark. Definitely want to play that audio here coming up. That is about a $50 million, I guess, moment, if you will, if Halliburton does not uh, play 65 games this season. But he said basically in that Portland game, so if you go back, he's missed 9 of 10. The Portland game was the one he played. He said he felt sore during the game, didn't think he could re-injure anything, and really was in some pain afterwards. That's what led to him... I guess having the reset or, you know, whatever you want to call it. I know Rick Carlo doesn't want to call it a setback or anything like that. So now we're about 10 days since he last played. And again, the hope is tonight he will give it a go. Boston played last night against the Pelicans. They were down for large, large portions of that game. They were down a lot, really, in the first half. They did come back and win, but their starters, Tatum, Brown, Holiday, think about all those guys. They played some pretty taxing minutes. Didn't they sit somebody tonight? They play on TNT again on Thursday, do the Celtics, I think. 
think I saw that. Yeah, like I'm just are, I'm just uh, wondering if tonight might be a night where you might get somebody sitting. See, I thought I don't know. I'd have to look at the NBA rules. Wasn't last night supposed to be the night yeah, if see, you were going to sit anybody the non nationally televised yeah, well, game? I don't I don't know. After they Philly, play the Lakers after Philly Thursday. over the weekend, I have no. After Philly sat yeah, Philly everybody played on some guys TNT. against the Pacers and then sat yeah. people against the Nuggets. Yeah, they played they played the Lakers on uh, on Thursday. That's also a TNT game. Uh, but again, Boston favored by seven and a half. Little a lot surprised of by that number for them on the second night of a back-to-back exclusively TNT coming up at 7.30 tonight. Aaron Neesmith joining Jake and company at 12.30 today. Oh, nice. Look at that. Pastor Miles Turner, that's pretty good back-to-back there. Uh, All right, coming up 7 o'clock in Bloomington tonight, it is Indiana and Iowa. Uh, This has been a really difficult team for Indiana to guard, especially here lately in the Mike Woodson era. Now, granted, you know, it helps probably when Keegan and Chris Murray are playing for Iowa. Obviously, they are no longer there. Um, Iowa, not a team that has had a great season by any means. I've kind of seen the line both ways. I've seen Iowa favored by one, Indiana favored by one. So right around a pick for this one. Uh, Mike Woodson said last night on Inside IU Basketball that they will know more on Khalil Ware's status coming up today. Uh, Woodson said that Ware did participate on the floor Monday. We have to make sure his ankle is still not puffy and sore. Ooh, puffy. When's the last time you had a puffy ankle? I would say it's been a while. Yeah, I'm trying to think. Did I, you know, turn my ankle on a kid toy here in the last month or so? When's the last uh, yeah, time you stepped on? I remember you came in here and you were in pain. You stepped on a Lego about a, about two months ago. I I like it was For a some reason, I remember that it was uh, it was in the middle of the NFL season. Now I'm- it's like just don't step in a pothole, or else you you'll never come back. You'll never see you'll your lose, family again. You'll lose a leg. You'll just disappear. By the way, into I the pothole. Uh, the Indiana drought from three point land. Not a very long, dating back to the Wisconsin game. Trey Galloway hit a three with seven seconds to go in that game to make it a twelve point loss. Oh man! So we're at I remember that. And I remember that. Come on, Galloway for the last three pointer for Indiana. That ruins everything, doesn't it? Uh, you get good just Xavier, a little bit. You get good Xavier Johnson tonight uh, again. I, I think yeah. I think you get pretty good. I, I don't know if you get good uh, Xavier Johnson. I think you get pretty good Xavier Johnson. The question is, will he have a technical or a flagrant foul of any kind? That's the question. Better chance that he gets a flagrant <laughs> or Fran gets a tech tonight. Oh, there's oh Fra- you got to go with Fran. That's that's decades of work. That's decades of getting technicals. Oh, I, I would I would say it's Fran McCaffrey, who again gets to act a way that no one else gets to act on the sideline. Yeah, big and night. It's acceptable for Iowa guard Tony Perkins, the LN product, coming back to his home state. Seven o'clock tip for Indiana. A couple other college basketball notes: Purdue remains number two in the polls. They will have a rematch with Northwestern tomorrow. I do think that's a really important game for Purdue, not just Big Ten standing wise. I know everyone looks to Wisconsin on Sunday, but and we can get maybe more into this on tomorrow's show, defending Boo Booey. If you look at some of the elite teams that Purdue has played this year, they don't really have a guard like Bowie. I mean, he is a very dynamic, um, I guess for lack of a better description, he's a little guard. And like if you look at the teams in Maui or and even if you look at Illinois or you look at Arizona, they don't really have that dynamic guard. And Bowie was obviously outstanding against Purdue in that first meeting. So I do think how they defend him tomorrow night is something to keep an eye on. Indiana State continues to climb in the receiving votes part of the poll. Uh, If you look at that, they are up to 31st if you want to look into the receiving votes. So uh, the Sycamores knocking on the top 25. 
They will be back in action tomorrow night. No you, horns down controversy well, last night I, either. I that's was what say. I was going to say. Uh, Houston went in and beat Texas now, last lost, night. Right in overtime? Yeah, Texas uh-huh. lost at home in overtime. And I guess there was nothing that happened. I guess the Houston players were. Kelvin Sampson's I, I bunch behave. I guess Kelvin oh. Sampson had the group well behaved last night. Kelvin Sampson. Congratulations. To- <laughs> I was watching that game. They deserve the Trester Award for that effort. <laughs> Shed went to go shoot an, a three to try to avoid overtime and you could just tell that he he airballed it and Kelvin Sampson just looked like I wanted you to drive to the to the hoop not just launch a three <laughs> he was just so he was just so like just pissed off and it was hilarious he had to, he had to look upset Duke by the way uh, wins at Virginia Tech I should bet Duke in that game they won 77-67 the only other thing I had I know Purdue fans not happy about this do you see the Koozie Award midseason finalist list no came Braden out Smith, right? uh, no Braden Smith on that list so uh, debate that amongst yourselves Purdue fans yeah, obviously I, I would be one that would obviously disagree with that I am a huge Braden Smith advocate uh, saw yesterday Chris Foreman Purdue's SID does a great job with these notes that uh, Braden Smith the only player in college basketball averaging 12, 7, and 5 this year. You know, him and Lance Jones, we saw it over the weekend. They don't just have to score to impact the game. You know, think back to Bloomington. Braden Smith doesn't shoot it well, but then boom, he ends the game with what? Eight or nine assists, and you look at Gabe Cups and Xavier Johnson in that game. They don't score either, but they don't impact the game in other ways. Uh, Very important for Braden Smith, and again, Lance Jones, we saw it on Sunday in the win at Rutgers, both of them doing it in other ways. All right, on the other side, I think some interesting comments from Tyrese Halliburton yesterday and also Chad Buchanan joined JMV, the Pacers GM. Will the Pacers be quiet at the trade deadline coming up a week from Thursday? We'll talk about that. Rick Carlisle joins us in 30. Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Kaskali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Kaskali is right for you. Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Kaskali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Kaskali is right for you. Yeah, thanks for waking up with us, hanging out here on The Fan on this Tuesday. Reminder, Rick Carlisle will join us. Pacers head coach coming up at 8 o'clock. We'll talk some college basketball with Mike DeCourcy coming up at 8.30. Uh, the news that everyone wants this morning before we dive into Chad Buchanan sound. Did you see they have measured Kevin Bowen, the left hand of Michael Penix Jr. at the Senior Bowl? I know these are things that you dial into the fan to hear these sorts of <laughs> sorts of stories. He is a 10-inch and three-fourths hand. So there you go. Michael Penix Jr. You going to draft him now? What does that mean? I have no idea what is it, it means. bigger than Kenny Pickett's hands? Uh, it is bigger than Kenny Pickett's little tiny man hands, I I'm guess. waiting until the uh, combine for the official results. <laughs> Jordan Reed tomorrow, Mark, ESPN draft analyst? Yes. Michael Penix, does he hear his name on day one of the draft? Uh, yes, he's a quarterback. I think he does. I think the worst that happens to him, I guess you could say, be what, day two? He'd pull the Will Levis, he'd stay the night in whatever city, and then he'd be drafted the next morning. But if you maybe bet the way we view quarterbacks in the NFL, uh, he gets his name Big in the week. first round. Big week at the Senior Bowl. Uh, you know, the Colts have been very, very active with Senior Bowl guys. Six, I believe, of their 13 draft picks last year were Senior Bowl products. Now, this year they've added some underclassmen to that game. Uh, I think the other thing to note on the Colts, too, looks like Ed Dodds, the right-hand man to Chris Boward, will be returning. Saw late last night the Chargers uh, seem to be zeroing in on one of the Ravens personnel people to pair up with 
John Harbaugh, or uh, Jim Harbaugh, I should say, which uh, given the family dynamic there, I guess that makes a little bit of sense. So uh, unless I'm missing something, I felt like that was the one besides the Raiders that Ed Dodds was kind of rumored for. So for like the umpteenth year in a row, I, I was Ed about Dodds to say, how many years is this you've done the Ed Dodds dance? With some GM jobs, <laughs> but ultimately looks like he'll be back in Indy. The Ed Dodds tour is kind of like the Disney on Ice tour. The Pacers go away for a little bit and then they always come back. <laughs> Literally, yeah. I, I was like trying to think of a coaching camp. You know, I guess Harbaugh kind of had that for a while. Yeah, it, it was like each year. I was like, wait, is he leaving Michigan or not? Um, so yeah, a couple cold sided. I do at some point want, want to get to Andy. Um, I think if you look at San Francisco and Kansas City, uh, in particular how they've built their teams uh, with their quarterback contracts, uh, there's a lot of things that I think the Colts sit here in 2024 and they are in a position to try and achieve. Um, so we'll get into that at some point today. All right. So yesterday, uh, you know, uh, Chad Buchanan was on with uh, the uh, with JMV. I want to get to some of that sound here in a little, but it's interesting. So KB and I always text, you know, hey, what do you think in the first segment, 730 segment, the big segment? What are you thinking about Carlisle coming up at eight o'clock? And it's funny that organically both of us heard the same thing yesterday in the availability with Tyrese Halliburton. So Halliburton met with the media. He talked about his hamstring and, you know, he hopes to be back tonight. He's just got to wake up in the morning when he went through practice and he can't wait to play with Pascal Siakam and how the team has done, what, seven and six this season without him. So all the things were talked about in one thing. That And I don't know who, I, somebody asked, I'm not sure exactly who asked, but it's a great question because we've been talking about it, and that is the 65-game threshold if he's going to make All-NBA. Now, you might be able to explain it better than I, but he needs to play in at least 65 games so he can be eligible uh, for All-NBA, which can put him in the Supermax deal of a little bit more than $50 million of earning. Now, Joel Embiid, you know, who could easily be, yet again, the MVP of the NBA, there's a 65-game threshold on that as well. And so, you know, there's a chance he doesn't win MVP because he'll miss that many games. And so Halliburton is only going to have, if he's back tonight and there's no setbacks, he's only going to have, what, four or five games to tinker with now? Well, he's missed re- 13 because yeah. they're 7 and 6 without him. There you so, go. So he's you know, missed 13 games. So that's uh, down to 69 games. So four if games. If he played the rest. And I know there are some questions, too, about that Boston game. He didn't. I think he only played 13 minutes in that game. That actually counts as a missed game in the NBA's eyes. And then, of course, the Pacers would probably counter and say, wait a minute, he played in the extra in-season tournament yeah. game. Shouldn't that count? Basically, to your point, he's got about three to four well, games. Well, and what's crazy about it is there's gray area, and there's a lot of money at stake. There so, is I mean, a there's ton a, of money. There's a ton of money for Tyrese Halliburton. Halliburton, of course, knows this. The Pacers, everybody knows this. He was asked about it yesterday. I thought he had a pretty interesting answer. I understand what's at stake for me financially as well. Uh, but at the end of the day, it's also like I got to take care of my body to the best of my ability and uh, put myself in the right situation. So, yeah, I know I don't have a ton of games left. Uh, you know, I think it's a stupid rule, like many guys in the league. But, uh, I mean, this is what the owners want. So, as players, we got to do our job and, um, you know, play in 65 games if, if we're able to. So, that's what I got to do, take care of my body to be able to play in those games. And I think that you're seeing other players in the league kind of face the same thing. So, uh, as long as that, uh, the owners are happy. <laughs> as long as the owners are happy. Yeah. 
How's that for how's that for a quote from Halliburton? That was a bit juicy from Tyrese Howard. I don't know if Herb Simon has an opinion on that or not. <laughs> okay, there. so what's yours? Because I know you I mean, obviously I, we all have an opinion on this. this. Is he the, called it a stupid I, rule. Yeah, and I think it's one of the more difficult things the NBA is dealing with r- r- right now. How do you curtail? How do you get a handle on load management? You know, wh- what do you do to try and make sure your star players are playing as much as they can? Because in Halliburton's case, I mean, Andy, we all saw him go down in that Boston game. I mean, that's a legit injury. It's not like, you know, he's load right. managing this at, at a level that, I don't know, maybe some other guys, and maybe it's totally unfair for me to accuse other guys of load managing. I mean, you know, if I'm 7'2 and 290, Joel Embiid, my body probably reacts a little differently of the grind of playing 82 nights out of the year. So I am torn on it. I, I originally liked the idea of the indie, uh, of the NBA trying to say, all right, this has become a problem. It's become a bit of an epidemic, really. How do we curtail it at all? And this seemed like a decent idea in my mind. But then you get guys like Halliburton, who there is no doubt about it, is an all-NBA talent. No questioning that. Deserves to have the super max of $260 million compared to whatever it'd be, $200, $210 million, somewhere around there. Um but, you know, how do you gauge his obvious injury situation with other guys that might have a little bit more behind-the-scenes injury situations? Like, I think about this with the Colts and DeForest Buckner from a couple of years ago. He played through an elbow injury all year long. It was just showing up as an elbow injury on on the injury report. He wore kind of the Barry Bonds RoboCop thing. At the end of the year, he's like, yeah, um, they wanted me to get, like, Tommy John if I would be more of a throwing athlete, but I just decided to play through it. It's like, <laughs> damn. It's like, damn. You know? Like, that's, what mean, me, that's what men do, Kevin Bowen. You're not a man. So, like, Can you some imagine? of the injuries, you're like, wait a minute. Are they real? Are they not real? Like, it's so much gray area to try and sit here and police if you're the NBA saying, nope, that's legit. That's not legit. So, 65 games, meaning you would miss 17 you know, should availability be something that matters in these awards? Like, I asked that out loud. No, I, I know you are. No, listen, what you're saying is spot on. And who Tyrese Halliburton needs to blame are some, are not, not all, are some of the players that have come before him. By the way, was this not collectively bargained? I, well, I, I know it, he blames the owners, but I'd assume this, that this has got this to be is, collectively th- bargained. This always happens. You know what happens in the NFL. Players get mad and they, and you know, and it's like, well, go look at your leadership on the CBA side. Uh, you accepted this. You probably, you know, you give up this, you get it's something like the franchise back. franchise tag yeah. in the NFL. I mean, you know, you guys, players want to. I, I guess it became, people need to remember, and Halliburton needs to remember because he may have not even been in the league then. Uh, obviously, was not even at the stature that he is now as one of the top players in the entire NBA KB and that is this was a huge deal in the NBA how many years ago maybe four years ago or so you know my time is just in the last year especially it's just been thrown out of whack but I mean this was load management Okay, and guys like Kawhi Leonard and guys like LeBron James, superstars in this game, would just not play. And they didn't, and at that time, the players in the teams, Kevin, they didn't even like, they didn't hide it between, oh, he's having, he has a back issue, he has an ankle issue. Like, no one ever believed that there were any of these injuries. And at times it felt like they said, nah, you know, we're just going to rest a guy. And so the NBA, 
you know, I don't know. It's like if, a, you know, you guys are parents with older children than I, you know, there's you're misbehaving, you're misbehaving. There's got to be a rule. And now because you've taken advantage, there's got to be a rule. And because it was taken advantage of, the NBA had to make a rule. And I'm with you with the nuance of, you know, you don't, we, we, we truly don't know what a LeBron or Joel Embiid or a Halliburton are going through with an injury. But Halliburton's being bit in the ass here because there's because the forefathers of the NBA before him took advantage of it and they had to go in and they had to fix it because it was being taken advantage of and because there were nationally televised games and because it screwed over the fans. I mean, I mean, they, I mean, in a lot of ways, LeBron James was a leader. Kawhi Leonard, those two guys in screwing over the fans. Sorry, when you go to and spend all the money to go to these games, and the guy, you know, the guys don't play. It's the yeah, but if you're the it's Celtics, the girl who cried wolf, I guess, or is it the boy who cried wolf? Someone cried wolf. But if you're the Celtics tonight, and Jason Tatum, whatever, is feeling a little sore waking up after last night, why the hell would you play him when you have aspirations to be playing in mid-June? And that's why you have the 17 games of buffer. And that, and so the 17 games of buffer are saying you can do your load management and you can probably sustain one two-week injury, you know, two-and-a-half, three-week injury, and then if it's more than that, sorry about your luck. That's the conversation. Yeah, and this gets into, like, a bigger-picture debate with the Hall of Fame of, like, okay, you know, how much does longevity well, matter? Sure. You know, the, the, sure. the Calvin Johnson sure. careers versus the Reggie Wayne careers. Patrick Willis is a guy who's kind of sure. going through this now you in know, the NFL. Luke Keekley's probably not at that level, but again, for five or six years, it was Hall of Fame pace, and then all of a sudden, boom, um, you know, he retires. So, um, I, I thought it was very candid from Halliburton, and again, part of me thinks he's all NBA. Let's not like let's just look at our eyes. He deserves uh, to be rewarded like that. But then again, there's an element of like availability probably should matter in some of these cases, and there are some people that probably take advantage of the rule in much more discreet well, ways. They did. And, they did a few years and, ago. And That's the problem. Ways. Yeah. With that, so it is something I think just to keep an eye on. I a question I have for Rick Carlisle when he joins us in a few. You know, Pacers got a back-to-back coming up this weekend, uh, or this week, I should say, Thursday, Friday. Is Halliburton cleared for that? You know, is there any minute it's restriction a great question. Yeah, sure. with him in coming back, considering he has missed nine of ten? Again, the expectation uh, as of yesterday was Tyrese Halliburton will play today. They're going to gauge how he wakes up and feels. Did about a twenty-minute scrimmage uh, before the Pacers departed for Boston yesterday. He has missed nine of ten. This is a game that he has had circled on the calendar. For a long, long time, considering it is a TNT game, it is a standalone one, so certainly something to keep an eye on. And again, the fact that the Pacers are seven and six without him this season, the fact that they've beaten some really quality opponents, those are signs of like, okay, you are a legit playoff type team. When you're able to be without your star and withstand it like they have, to be better than 500 without him, to have won in Miami, to have beaten Phoenix, to have beaten uh, you know, um, Philly, and Embiid played, and Booker played, and I, I want to say Jimmy Butler played in that Miami game, that is a huge, huge step in the right direction. Last year had some promising moments for the Pacers, but they just got ran off the floor routinely without Halliburton. And Andy, I think it's worth pointing out, you know, the win in Miami or the comeback against Boston a few weeks ago without Halliburton, again, that was without Siakam. So, it, 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 yes, Siakam has greatly helped here over the last week or two, but 
you know, you got to give a shout out to Andrew Nemhard. You got to give a shout out to TJ McConnell. Uh, there's been nights where Obi Toppin has stepped up. Benedict Matherin, of course, has taken on more of a scoring burden. The Pacers have shown off their depth without Halliburton this season. Certainly, if you want to make any noise come the postseason, you got to have your lead guy. Uh, but to get there and to potentially be whatever, a five seed, a four seed, who knows, you got to be able to withstand some moments without him. And they have more than done that this season. Uh, before we get to this Chad Buchanan sound, he was on yesterday with JMV. I just wanted to ask you as an aside, because a lot's being made, and I understand it, but I'm also wondering when the Pacers can move beyond it. And again, I am understanding of it, especially this season. I can't wait till, you know, if even if it's next year, and it better be next year, I guess, that we don't have to totally worry and count on and circle when they're on nationally, when they're nationally <laughs> broadcast. And listen, I know it's a big deal. You know, a lot of NFL markets look at it and say, okay, well, you know, we're, we're on once, you know, it's a Thursday night game. We're on nationally uh, televised, you know, we're on NBC or ESPN or whatever. And I get it this season. I understand why the Pacers didn't have a heavy load on nationally, uh, on national television, but I'm interested how much of a story that is next year, especially if they're a five seed and win a playoff series this year, does that make sense? It's a it's a small time it's a small time conversation, in my opinion. Once the Pacers move beyond it, we'll never look back, and we'll look, or if we do, we'll look back and say, "Can you remember five years ago when we were all circling on that Tuesday night to go play Boston at seven thirty on TNT? Remember and, that?" And I do think Halliburton has handled those questions pretty well. It's like, no, 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 you, you earn it. You, you earned to be on national television, and they earned it in the in-season tournament, and, and I think yeah. moving forward I just with, wanted with their bring, play. I just wanted to bring that up because, you know, it's you know, it's been circled. Is he going to be back for that game? I'm like, in other, in, in other years, if they're a high seed this year, you win a playoff, perhaps you win two playoff series, uh, you have Halliburton, Siakam signs long-term, suddenly you're a team uh, that everybody wants to face. Let's hear from Chad Buchanan here. We'll have more time to react to this. So he was on general manager yesterday uh, for the Pacers, was on yesterday with JMV. Making more moves, what will they do in the next week and a half? Here's what Buchanan had to say. We've had a pretty active month before that we got to, uh, you know, the trade with, with Pascal. And, you know, this this time of year, when you, when you make a major change like that, you don't want to get too anxious to do a bunch of stuff. You know, that was a pretty big jolt to our team, adding Pascal. And uh, we're excited about his addition, obviously, and we're kind of excited about some of the young guys where they're growing with their development. And we're not in a big rush to try to totally revamp the roster because we, we've seen some good things from this group. And, you know, if we get calls on deals that are, you know, make sense for us and help the team be better, you know, we're obviously going to listen, but we're not being super active at this point, John, on, on doing anything else because this is, this is a pretty big change as is. Now, they always say deadline spur action. Yeah, you and believe we them? are nine days away <laughs> from the trade deadline. But I actually do believe a, a good, good chunk of that in that the Siakam trade has kind of recentered some things. And also, the, the other part I'm curious about is they made it clear before the start of the season they wanted to extend Buddy Heald. Now, they needed to try and get to a happy medium between both sides. They could not get there. How has the Siakam tr- trade and the financial impact changed that? Assuming they give Siakam the mega deal. Do you have room for Buddy Heald moving forward? Should that impact you a week from Thursday? Yeah, and then it gets into, well... Do you have room for Obi Toppin moving forward? Should that impact you a week from Thursday? Like, I financially, what you looked like in September is a whole lot different than what you look like financially as we turn the calendar to February. 
So I think those are some real conversations you have to have in weighing these final two months of the year. I do think there's a part of it internally, and I get it. You haven't won a playoff game in six years. You haven't won a playoff series in nine years. Right. I know. This is probably the best you felt about your playoff positioning in that time frame, certainly in the last handful of years. So should you just say, screw it. If we can't re-sign Buddy, so what? We'll let him walk for nothing? That's not how you felt with the Colts, though. No, no, no. And, 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 and that's what's so difficult about I'm this. that's I'm torn because, yeah, again, I am too. you don't have two first-round picks next year. Right. So how do you get better moving forward this offseason? Is it just you're going to let Buddy walk, you're going to let Obi walk, and then all of a sudden it's like, okay, we hope that you pass the torch to Ben Shepard. You pass the torch to Jairus Walker. I, I, I could see that. Obviously, there's a little bit of hope there with that. But at the same time, Buddy can be such a weapon for you and can easily go win you a playoff game. Uh, you would think that you would want him. Well, what's been the most what's been point? the most important thing about this team is depth. So I guess my thing would be if you move these guys, there's two things. If you move these guys and it's picks or money and or money, you're sending probably the wrong message. Given well, it doesn't that you just are, have to be picks and money. No, no, but if it's players coming back, then I can get with it. Uh, to me, you can't lessen your team. Does that make sense? If you move Obi Toppin and you get a guy or two back that can help you, I'm fine with it. But it's it, it, at this point, I think they're committed to where if they move somebody and they're not getting someone back for this season, they're going to catch some heat with what they did with Siakam. They're not in a win now like Boston, but they're not in a just make the playoffs and everything's going to be okay either. They're real stuck in the middle. They really are. It's an odd spot to be in. The latest on Tyrese Halliburton with Rick Carlisle. Rick joins us next. Hour number two. Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Kaskali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Kaskali is right for you. 8 o'clock hour, as always, broadcasting live from the drivehubler.com studios. KB and Andy, Mark Dykton hanging out with us. Busy, busy show coming up in about a half an hour. Mike DeCourcy will join us. We'll talk some college basketball pop quiz in the 9 o'clock hour. Busy on this Tuesday. Reminder as well tonight, Pacers in Boston. That's not a Bally's game. No, that's a TNT game. That tip-off at 7.30. Coverage here on the fan beginning at 7 o'clock. All right, it's a Tuesday, 8 o'clock. You know what that that means Pacers head coach Rick Carlisle joining us here on the Payless Liquors Hotline. Coach, good morning. How are you today, sir? What's up? Uh, not, not much. Uh, I mean, we're, we're, we're uh, waiting for Tyrese Halliburton. I guess we can start there. When will you know today that uh, your superstar, if he'll be back in the lineup tonight? Um, I'm not exactly sure. I, I, I expect that he will play. Um, he's done very well. Uh, week and a half, whatever it's been. And, uh, you know, he had another, um, scrimmage yesterday and we just got to make sure that he's, uh, still feeling good and still recovering well after these increased workouts. And then, um, if the answer is yes, then, uh, then he'll be, uh, he'll be, he'll be in there tonight. How did he look in practice or scrimmage yesterday? And do you foresee any restrictions tonight? Or if he needs to play, you know, 35-plus minutes, he'll be able to go? He looked good. And, you know, I, uh, in terms of the minutes, I'm not going to 
get into the what the minutes are going to be. Um, he will he will uh, not play a full game, but he will be um, brought back into this uh, somewhat gradually, and um, and we'll build it from there. So, um, but the f- most important thing, as you mentioned, is that he's he's feeling uh, he's feeling good today, and and uh, as I as I said, if that's the case, then. I expect that he will play tonight. Uh, last one for me on the Tyrese front, and maybe it's too early in the week to know this. Uh, will he play in back-to-backs coming up Thursday, Friday? It uh, it's too early to set to, to to say for sure. Um, <clears throat> the hope is that we can uh, once again build this thing up gradually and. Um, have him be able to play both games. I mean, like we're, we're on national TV tonight. Uh, we play New York on Thursday, you know, which is a big conference rival. Um, and then we play Sacramento on Friday. I mean, <clears throat> you know, and that's, <laughs> we know what that game's all about, you know, cause, uh, cause of the, the trade a couple of years ago and stuff. So, um, you know, the, the hope is definitely that, he can play all three and 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 move forward, you know, the, the right way um, into the weekend and beyond. Again, Rick Carlisle is with us tonight, seven thirty. As Andy said, it's TNT. It'll be the Pacers and Celtics from Boston. Coach, you guys have been a, a much much better team this season without Tyrese in the lineup compared to last year. And I feel like, in a way, it's not just been one guy. Certainly, Siakam has helped over the last couple of weeks, but. You know, it's been a variety of guys before that. Seven and six on the year without Tyrese. Some really big wins against high-level teams without him. What do you point to as the reason for such a jump from last year to this year and how you guys have played without him? Well, two things. You know, two or three things, really. I mean, uh, a year of more experience. So, you know, guys like uh, guys like Nemhard. Um, Guys like Matherin, you know, you saw in the in the game. I don't know if you guys watched uh, the game on Sunday, but um, you know, playing Memphis right now is you know one of the most difficult things to do because they're physical. They got a bunch of highly motivated guys. They've got great coaching. Um, they got Jaron Jackson Jr., who they've kind of turned into a point center, and he's really playing well. And I mean, that's a rock fight playing those guys. And so, um, you know, we, we just, we had trouble getting our footing in the first quarter and, and Matherin came in and, um, hell, I think we we're down eight in the first quarter and he just generated some offense and he, he helped us get going. And so, um, there's been real growth there. Uh, Nimhard was our, our only, uh, true point guard available. Uh, as T.J. McConnell had a, had a family thing, he was uh, was addressing. So we played him and uh, we played Nemhard in in three stretches in both halves to kind of keep try to keep keep him going. And then you know you saw Ben Shepard fill in at point and a little bit of Buddy Heald and um and so you know we we, we had the experience in Sacramento a week and a half two weeks ago whatever it was where we got through a game without two of our top three point guards and kind of duplicated it uh, in the Memphis game uh, with Nemhard instead of McConnell. So, 
you know, there's that. There's the acquisition of Siakam, which really helps um, in a lot of ways. You got another playmaker, you got another scorer, you got another rebounder. You know, you saw at the end of the game in, uh, against Memphis, he's guarding Jackson Jr. They throw it into him. They try a keeper for a drive. He stymies him going left and makes him spin back to the right and take a difficult shot they miss, and, and the game's over. You know, there's a guy that gets one stop and, you know, <laughs> the game's over. So, that's a big deal. And then um, our depth, you know, it's, you know, we got a lot of guys that are capable um, and a lot of guys that are capable. Um, and the group has taken, taken on the personality and and the challenge of, um, of these types of uh, situations and been resourceful in finding ways to, to, to compete and, and to get wins. Rick Carlisle with us here on this Tuesday on The Fan. Of course, uh, Pacers in Boston tonight, 730 on TNT. You can hear it right here on The Fan. Just to add to that, Coach, if you don't mind, I mean, I I would imagine for you, you're, you know, with back-to-backs and you play a game, you're on a plane, you're playing another game, it's hard to find satisfaction at times. And the way I said it yesterday for you guys was the win on Thursday, the, I I mean, I don't know if it's magical, but just what an amazing win on Friday night against Phoenix. And then all the injuries really gutting it out in a physical. I know you talked about how physical there uh, that Memphis game was those three wins and those three wins at home, but also without Halliburton, you know, to me, Boy, I thought they were satisfying, and when we look back this season, if whatever seed you guys are in the playoffs, however this thing plays out, you can look back at that weekend and say, boy, that was a nice weekend for the Indiana Pacers. Did you find any satisfaction in what you guys did against Philly, Phoenix, and then gutting one out Sunday against Memphis? Yeah, you know, those are all really tough games. I mean, and so, you know, I mean, Philadelphia, Miles Turner played great in that game. I mean, he, he took on the challenge with Joel Embiid, and, and Joel still had 30 points, but, you know, he was he was coming off a game where he scored 70. <laughs> you know, so, um, you know, Miles made it tough on him. I mean, the, guy, the guy's making fadeaway contested 17-foot shots, you know, um, to get 30, and if, and if that's the case and you're not letting other three-point shooters get going, um you know, that's a good thing. And so anyway, we, we, you know, we win that game. The back-to-back is, you know, it's difficult. So like tonight we played Boston, they played a very tough game last night at home against um, New Orleans and they won. And so, you know, we got to do our best to take advantage of that. Um, You know, we got to go in there and we got to, you know, play our game try to play our game better than they play their game. And so, but the point is, you know, we, we play Phoenix, they're rested, and Booker comes out as 29 in the first quarter, and Durant's flicking in shots, and Beal's running around, you know, it's just, and, and, you know, and so we got we to gotta find a way to hang with them, and we're down 17 at one point in that game, hang with them, fight back, you know, get our crowd into it, hopefully give ourselves a chance, that's exactly what we did, and Fourth quarter was 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 wild and crazy, but I think we held them to seventeen or nineteen points, and um, and that was a great win, you know. But and look, Memphis is a tough game too. But you know, the way you're describing this, um, you, you can't you can't exhale, <laughs> you know. Right. But our goal our goal is not is not to just win some games in January. I mean, we're 
we're on a on a bigger you know a, a bigger picture um, challenge here, which is to become a championship contending team. And so there are just certain things that um, are non-negotiables. You know, like our, our attention to details competitively. You know, that's that's a big deal. You know, little things. You know, uh, free throw blockout. You know, blocking out your man. You know, squeezing the ball and coming up with possessions and. Um, you know, shot selection. I mean, we, offensively, our guys have great freedom to um, to take shots that you know that come. I mean, we we play a random style, and and we 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 depend on our players for shot creation. So, you know, you can't be burping up some nonsense in these you know one possession games. And so, um, you know, there's a lot going on. And so, you know, it, it, those are three great wins. Um, but we got nine games until the uh, the All Star break, and and we we got to keep our head down and keep our eye on the ball, and uh, and try to and try to grind grind as many out as we can here, and and then you know at the All Star break, you know we can forget about things for a few days. Well, yeah, you want to watch effort? Just watch that tip in by Obi Toppin there on the final play of the Phoenix game to see the difference in that one. He is Rick Carlisle. He's with us here live from Boston. Pacers and Celtics coming up tonight. At 7.30. Coach, this is for my own curiosity, and maybe you don't want to share, um, but I am curious. We did see you get ejected from the game last week, and I'm wondering to myself, does Rick Carlisle just go back there and, like, does he have a Bally Sports (laughs) subscription? Uh, Like, what do you do after an ejection? How how do you consume the rest of of the game? (laughs) Yeah, I was just – I was seeing things that were – um, really bothering me, and so it was time to you know get the fuck out of there. You know, so that's what I did. And you know, I, Siakam um, had just come to us. You know, a few days prior to that. Uh, you know, I, I thought he got shoved on a play. There was no call, and so you know, uh, you know, you wanna you wanna stand up for a guy that is you know a new star player for for you and it just you know things were things were going sideways and so you know I got a lot of faith in in uh, Lloyd Pierce and my and my coaching staff and so you know it just was time to go and I'd seen enough and so I go back to my office um I don't know about I don't, I don't know about a Bally Sports app, but we have a television that has a different kind of cable thing. You know, it's like you know, channel fourteen one, fifteen one, and then some channels have like thirty five one, thirty five two. So I don't, you know, I don't know how the whole thing works. Other than thirty five one is the Inarita feed, and so uh, you know, I go back there, watch the uh, watch the Inarita feed, and uh, you know, Kevin. Pritchard came back and we hung out and, you know, watched, uh, watched some of the third quarter together. And then, you know, he went back out and watched the, the game and, uh, you know, our, our guys did a great job. I mean, we, we were, we got to a one possession game and, and really had a chance. And then, you know, Jokic threw in a one shot and, um, uh, and then a couple other things happened, but, uh, yeah, that's kind of, that's kind of the story of the whole thing. I, I've gotten a lot fewer technicals this year um, right. than last year, and, and, and ironically, early in the game, uh, Ben Taylor, one of the one of the referees, said, uh, "Hey, how many, how many, how many you got this year?" I said, "I only have four. <laughs> you know, 
Oh, yeah, four. So, you oh, know, boy. I mean, yeah. And then, you know, less than uh, 20 minutes later, I had six, you know, so there you go. Do, do you find it? It's more of the magic word. It's the demonstrative nature. It's how far out on the court. Well, 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 typically, I, I know you haven't gotten as many this year. What do you find is kind of the old, uh, you know, magic potion, if you will, to get the toss? <laughs> well, you know, there's, there's, there's a litany of things you can do, but if you come out on the court, you know, which I did and, you know, said, say, you know, what the, what the hell or whatever. And then, um, then you stay out there, you're going to get the second one, you know? So that's, that's kind of, that's kind of what happened on that one. And, you know, you just, you know, you hope not to get in those situations and philosophically, you know, there's some coaches that believe that, you know, that getting thrown out is something you should never do. If you, if you guys want to, if you guys want to look at something interesting, look at the history of NBA coaching ejections. I think Don Nelson is the all-time leader in ejections. I think he got ejected like seventy-eight times. <laughs> <laughs> wow! I mean, I mean, it's like it is. It is a galactic number. You know, I've probably been thrown out. I don't know, ten times in twenty-two or twenty-three years, whatever it's been. But seventy-eight times. I mean, it's like. It's like crazy. He get his own so, wing in the Hall of Fame for that. He should. No question. <laughs> Rick Carlisle with us here on the Payless Liquors Hotline. Uh, some great stuff there. No, and, uh, You answered the and, question. And Pritchard Mark came back on his feet, by the yes, way, for the yes. dumb button. I, I was oh, wondering, yeah. uh, you, you watching that alone, someone comes back. But uh, some good stuff there. Again, Pacers in action tonight, 730 on TNT. Hear it right here on the fan. You know, one thing we've talked about, Coach, is the 65-game rule. You know, Tyrese Halliburton to get that super max up over $50 more million in his pocket. But he needs to play 65 games. We see that with even the league MVP. You know, someone like a Joel Embiid, is he going to play 65 games? And I know that was collectively bargained a few years ago. Halliburton actually talked about it yesterday, Coach. He called it a a stupid rule. Is that in you guys' mind at all? And what do you make of that rule to hit some of these escalators and awards you need to play 65 games in a season? Yeah, it's, you know, it's it's a reality, um, and you know it's it's going to start to get a lot of discussion for obvious reasons. Um, you know, Embiid, if he doesn't get the sixty-five games, you know, he may not qualify for awards, but he's already got his contract. You know, so that's so his contract situation is is set. Um, you know, Tyrese is, is is a little bit different. I mean, this is if he makes one of the All NBA teams this year. Um, they, you know, there's an escalator that, that, that kicks in that's pretty significant. So, um, look, the hope is that, you know, we can get him back out there tonight and can, you know, progress him forward to where, you know, he's, he's feeling really good um, headed into the All-Star break. I mean, you know, we haven't talked about it yet, but the guys just, uh, you know, voted a starter um, in the All-Star game. And I believe – I believe he was the leading vote getter for guards uh, in the East, both on the all three on the fan, media, and player vote. Which is, you think about that, that's that's amazing, you know. And um, I, I think I certainly believe that our run in the in-season tournament and you know an extra three um, national TV games contributes to that. Um, but he's also, you know, he's also that good a player. 
And so, um, you know, the other thing, and I, you know, I don't, whenever they negotiated this thing about 65 games, I, I don't know that the in-season tournament was set, but if you get to the finals of the in-season tournament, you're playing a game that doesn't count. Sure. sure. I mean, it doesn't, it doesn't count as a win or a loss. It's just, but you know, you're, you know, you're playing in a, in a, in a game that is an enormous revenue generator for, for the game and for, and for the league you know, why shouldn't that game be counted as a game played? And so maybe maybe that'll be a consideration. Maybe it's something that the league's already uh, already talking about. Like, you know, yesterday Bob Kravitz asked a question at practice, and um, and, and it's a and it's a great question. So so we'll see. But look, we got to go day to day with this. You can't look too far ahead. <laughs> you know, with anything, it's just. You just if you do, you'll you'll take you'll you'll lose you know the laser focus that you need every single day with this uh, with this with this dynamic profession. And so, uh, but Tyrese has done well, and so obviously we hope it it continues forward. Coach, uh, you think Benedict Matherin and Miles Turner will give it a go tonight? Saw they're both questionable as well. We'll have to see. I, you know, uh, Ben had a thing that happened. Where he either got tripped or um, something, and he he jammed his toe, <laughs> and toe, toe injuries are are, are very painful. Um, you know, I don't know if it's if it's a turf toe type type thing or what, but you know, Chris Duarte missed a bunch of games over the last two years with a toe thing, and you know, Miles had a toe thing two or three years ago, and and so we're hoping for the best there. I mean, Matt Matherin's a guy that <laughs> just. He hates missing games. I mean, he just he, he hates missing practice. You gotta you gotta tackle him to make him <laughs> sit out of a practice where you you know you're just doing walkthrough stuff. You know, he's just uh, and that's one of the things that's one of the things we love about him. But Miles in the back has done better. Um, but I'd be I'd be speaking out of school say, saying that they're both playing for sure because I don't know that. Again tonight, it is seven thirty in New York on Thursday. Also seven thirty, and the back-to-back coming up with Sacramento on Friday. Coach, as always, we love these conversations. Hope that there is no channel thirty-five dash one that needs to be <laughs> dialed up in the Garden tonight. Uh, enjoy the trip back to Boston, and uh, good luck this week. All right, thanks, guys. Take care. Thank you. That is Rick Carlisle right there on the Payless Liquors Hotline. I started off the show saying no need for coffee on this Tuesday morning. You just dodge the pothole. You just drive in Indy right now, and if you're not locked in, you're going to make a trip to insert your tire service here. Mark Dykton, uh, I am not sure if I've ever seen you jump out of your chair as quickly as you did for the F. Insert the three yeah. letters afterwards. My heart's from still Carlisle. pounding. I need to call Jake's cardiologist, I think, and to get an appointment, get a checkup because I wasn't expecting That's that. Right. You asked him just about the ejection, and I think he's a bit still a bit ticked off about it. Did you get it in time? I think so. I mean, it, the oh, you stre- have you have the, like the streamers, the streamers, and the YouTube chat. They get it uncensored because that's just how it rolls. But on the radio waves, hopefully this dump button works in this new so studio. So will the podcast have an explicit rating on maybe. it today? Maybe, yeah. maybe it will. I have a beep out or whatever. That's, Guess we'll find out. If I'm employed by the end of the day, we'll see if that works That's the good stuff. No, Mark's got like 20 seconds. Don't, isn't the delay here 20 seconds? Six. Is it only six seconds? Yeah. Uh-huh. Oh my goodness. Okay. Hence the, hence the uh, <laughs> speed of my button pushing. The, yeah, okay. I was wondering why you guys have always made it sound that like that. I'm like, because, you know, stations I've been at, I'm like, ah, you get 10 seconds, 15, 20 seconds. 
second, something Mark, like that. Mark jumped as high as Obi Toppin to get out of his chair there and get to the dump button. His, uh, you know when an NBA player hurts himself by hitting his head on the uh, the rim or the backboard or something like that? That was basically Mark Dykton. He jumped so high that uh, he's in concussion now, protocol now. I did have legitimate... I could have rejected uh, <laughs> Webanyama with that. <laughs> I did have legitimate curiosity. I'm like, well, what? sure, I was going to ask it if you did. When you get ejected, yeah, what, what do, do you do? do? Yeah, what do you do? The only thing I would have added, but we, you know, we were two, three questions on that is like Carlisle is seen red at that point and he's just been injected. So is, you know, your heart rate is up and everything else. Your blood pressure is up. Does he hear fans on the way, uh, you know, who are sitting by the, by the tunnel there? Does he hear fans cheer him on in Gamebridge or the opposite? If you're on the road, you know, maybe a couple double middle fingers go your way or something like that. I remember we had this conversation the morning after that Denver game and I thought there was a particular reason why he got tossed. And I think he just shared with us. Oh, he told us. It was Pascal Siakam uh, having a no call. And what really stood out to me on that play that Rick gets tossed, Siakam didn't even react. I know. That's Siakam the thing. didn't think he got fouled yeah. on one end. And then, come on, I mean, Siakam. NBA players, <laughs> they whine if the halftime show is not up to par. If they get breathed on the so wrong way. Yeah. The fact that Siakam didn't even react on one end, and then I forget who it was, Contavious Caldwell, one of those guys, Reggie Jackson, somebody hit a three. And usually, when the stoppage of play happens, you see guys just walk over to the official and be like, hey, did you miss yeah. that over Whisper there? Whisper in his ear. Siakam sure. didn't even do that. No, he didn't do any of it. That Come on, Siakam. Very, that is Rick Carlisle saying when it's time for negotiations. Remember when I defended him <laughs> in that Denver game, now, his I first think, home game? I think he's mentioning, is that digital TV that's 35.1? Don't you get a lot of that if you go to like a yeah. like a Marriott, you go check uh, in the Bowens, so check into a hotel? So he Chris and Quinn on the call. Right, he's got the in stu- yeah, or in I'm, stadium feed. I'm, ge- I'm guessing that's what he has is the yeah. in stadium feed. Yeah, uh-huh. yeah. So he doesn't get ads during the free throws late in the game. I don't think he gets any of that. Pulse is still pretty fast. Mark is wired and ready to go. <laughs> For those that missed it, Rick Carlisle dropping he dropped an f bomb. I, I would say the the magic of all magic words with us in that segment. As far as the hardcore info, though, uh, I thought a lot. Tyrese Halliburton again. The expectation is he will play will not play a full game. The phrase that Rick used with us brought along somewhat gradually. Again, we'll see the back-to-back. I thought Rick laid it out pretty accurately in talking about Thursday and Friday night. You've got the Knicks and you've got the Kings. They're both huge games. Yes, for different reasons. For team and then individual reasons. The team reason is you've got a head-to-head tiebreaker up for grabs with the Knicks. That will be decided here in the next couple of weeks. You play them twice. You've already beat them once. You're going to play them twice here before the All-Star break. That will decide it. And then, obviously, Tyrese, more individually, of course, wants to play against Sacramento after he did not play against them earlier this year. So that is the back-to-back upcoming. And we'll see about Benzek Matherin. You know, toes, I I feel like toes are one of those injuries. They're like, it's a toe. You're fine. (laughs) But as Rick pointed out, it's a toe. Chris Duarte and Miles Turner Missed a lot of time. And you know for Mather and Andy, he's got to be really hurt for that dude, not even to participate in practice, let alone play. So we'll keep an eye on that. He is questionable. Miles Turner is questionable as well. Yeah, and Matherin was so good, uh, especially in that Memphis game. Uh, it, you know, when you look at the last four games, Buddy Heald hasn't been very good, at least scoring the basketball. So you look at Matherin, uh, the importance there. By the way, just going back and looking at it, about uh, about a year ago, okay, so ju- I should say June, no, July 1st, the new NBA season, last July 2023 is when the new CBA 
kicked in. So the 65-game threshold that we talked about, that's something that's been talked about for about 14, 15 months now, Kevin. We were wondering the timing on that, and uh, the new seven-year CBA kicked in in July. So it's a relatively new rule, and unfortunately for Tyrese Halliburton, if he was doing what he, uh, you know, if he was three years older and he was three years ago or even two years ago doing what he's doing now, he wouldn't have to worry about that. He could dip down to 60 games or 62 games or whatever it may be. I'm trying to remember who, uh, it's not someone we had on the air. It was JMV uh, or it was uh, uh, Jake and Jimmy. They were having the conversation around how there's going to be some gray area. Maybe it was Tony East who was on. There's going to be some gray area with the 65 game. And you mentioned the Pacers making it all the way to the finals of the in-season tournament. That's a lot of money to have gray area. Does that make sense? To not have a firm rule. In other words, if they're willing to, you know, he played half the game or he played into the second quarter of a game against Boston, does that count as a full game? And then the in-season tournament, you're playing an extra game. You know, Halliburton's playing all these games leading up to the finals. How does that change things? That's a big deal to Adam Silver and TV partners in the league as a whole. Uh, To not have a firm rule on that, I mean, if if I'm Halliburton's agent, I'm already... I'm already, you know, talking about that. Like, hey, my guys played these extra games. Yeah, What's the gray area here? It's $50 million we're talking about. Can the Pacers go around that? It's a great question. I, you know, it's another have, great question. How about this? Yeah, one? I don't know. How about this from Joe? Coach's F-bomb came through loud and clear on the stream. Sounded like Mark yeah. Dyke did terrific work on Terrestrial Radio. <laughs> mm-hmm. The stream, though, there's nothing you can do. Nope. The advantages of listening to the stream. Yeah. Yeah. I yeah, mean, you guys know. Uncensored potty it's, talk. It's the internet. It's the stream, and it's YouTube. And you can do anything on the stream or YouTube except play Metallica or Taylor Swift music. Shout <laughs> then out you'll be flagged. To the extremely artistic Rennick Bowman, uh, the designer of the city uniforms, he chimes in and goes, uh, exactly like a hotel in terms of the 35-1 yeah, exactly, yeah. channel that you were describing, yeah. Andy. Uh, it's our in-house in-office feed called IPTV, so the channels are different than a streaming service, but include everything you get with a cable package. So there you go. So if you ever come across a TV inside of Gamebridge Fieldhouse right. and you're, you yeah, know, that's the case. Want to catch the game and you got the remote 35-1. You know how it is. You get you you know, you're in a hotel, it's 16.2. That's your TBS yeah. or you know, whatever whatever the kids may watch. So there there you go. I don't see Carlisle either as a guy who like doesn't know how to use the remote. You know, some coaches are like, "What's this Face space, or they, they act like yeah, they don't know what the Facebook to come is. Back with them to yeah, turn it on. yeah, like I don't see Carlisle as being. He's got a college age daughter. Yeah, I don't see him as being unable to do that. Like he understands streaming services. By the way, speaking of Although Amazon, he, he Am- was a little iffy on the ballot. Well, thing I know, I, I know. I do you see that. Amazon hit us over the head two ninety nine? If you want their stuff now without commercials, that's new. Log on to your Amazon Prime, big boy. We need forty five dollars a month yeah, now. Now, now it's not good enough. Now we got another three dollars a month. We need to get an month. update from Scott Agnes this week on the the regional sports networks sure. going over to Prime because that was the talk a couple weeks ago. I think we didn't have Scott on. That week, we need to get an update there on what the future for Bally and regional sports. Again, for tonight, it is TNT, Pacers and Celtics, 730, 7.5-point underdog, even though Boston played last night, and their starters played deep into that game. They had to really come back against the Pelicans to get that victory. All right, Mike DeCourcy is going to join us in a few to talk some college basketball. Andy, let's do an abbreviated morning yeah. check down. 
The Morning Checkdown, brought to you by the Barbasol Horizon League Basketball Championships. March starts here at the Indiana Farmers Coliseum, March 11th and 12th. Yeah, you heard it uh, just moments ago. Halliburton, uh, it's expected he will play tonight. They'll ease him back in. We'll see how many minutes, but it is Celtics and Pacers tonight, 7.30 on TNT. Here at beginning 7 o'clock right here on The Fan. Just one thing to add to it. Celtics did play last night. They did win last night uh, there in Boston over the Pelicans, 118-112. Tonight in Bloomington, 7 o'clock on Big Ten Network. It's Indiana and Iowa. That spread is kind of hovered right around a pick'em game. Uh, we have an in-house bet on what happens first, a Fran McCaffrey technical or Indiana making a three-pointer. Um, that's where we're at, I think, with these two teams. And this season, we'll see about Cleo Ware. Uh, the update last night from Mike Woodson on Inside IU Basketball was, we'll know more today. Uh, he did some things yesterday in practice, but we have to make sure his ankle is still not puffy and sore. So it uh, sounds like Khalil Ware's status very much up in the air tonight in 7 o'clock tip on Big Ten Network. Iowa has really scored a lot against the Hoosiers these last couple of years. Obviously, it helps when they had the Murray brothers. No longer do. Uh, Iowa on the season, pretty much a very, very fringe outside-looking-in bubble team at this point. Uh, and shout out to Purdue and Indiana State. From a poll standpoint, Purdue remains second in the polls. They've got Northwestern tomorrow at 6.30. Indiana State climbing up the receiving votes up to 31 if you count those first few teams in the receiving votes line. All right, speaking of that, we'll talk with Mike DeCourcy next. The Bubble Man, he gets us set here as we enter the month of February. Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Kaskali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Kaskali is right for you. I appreciate Rick Carlisle joining us. If you miss any of that conversation, you can check it out online, 1075thefan.com. We'll have fun with that. Again, Tyrese Halliburton uh, supposed to play tonight. We'll see exactly how many minutes. Uh, you Go know, ahead. I don't want to encourage any behavior like this. And Mark Dykton, feel free to correct me if I'm wrong. But if you want to get a glimpse of the Rick Carlisle F-bomb, Mark, um, they could probably rewind the YouTube stream, mm-hmm. right? Yeah, that's a good way to do it. Not, not to encourage any unruly behavior. No, not sure. To say we would Mike never DeCourcy, do that. Maybe he will follow script. Maybe he will also, you know, uh, drop an f bomb <laughs> and describing bubble resumes. I was here about with to say right now. He's going to be that passionate about Houston basketball. You know, time to you know get the out of there. That was Rick Carlisle with us a few minutes ago. Mike DeCourcy joining us here. Uh, We followed that up with Mike DeCourcy. We'll talk some college basketball with him. The Sporting News at TSN. Mike does the brackets there for Fox Sports, Big Ten Network. Uh, A very busy man, college hoop season. Mike, good morning. How are you today, sir? I am well, Andy. How are you? Uh, good. You have to follow up a Rick Carlisle F-bomb this morning. So yeah, how does that feel? I, I, I like my job, all of them, and I'm, I'm so I'm not going to do that. Fair enough. Yeah, we, Maybe if no we were pressure. watching a Steelers game and yeah. he was yelling at the TV. Yeah, would, yeah. No, no pressure uh, at all. Uh, obviously, Mike, I, you know, I want to ask you this. We know like kind of the one seeds right now. You'll have your bracket out what later on today, I believe. Yes. Uh, yes. I, I know you always have it uh, Tuesday afternoon. And so, you know what? It's UConn, Purdue, UNC. I can go through the teams. Houston got a first place vote. If I ask Mike DeCourcy, who are the top, you know, the top tier teams? If I said tier one, who are the teams right now that you would say would be in that Tier 1 category? Well, I would say it would be UConn, Carolina, Purdue, and Tennessee. I think they're the best four teams. I watched Houston last night, and 
Uh, I love their guards and I love their toughness. I just don't know that they have dynamic enough swing scoring to win it all. But I think the four teams I just talked about could. Uh, so those are the four, uh, Carolina, UConn, Purdue, Tennessee. They're the ones that, that have the best components to make a run. But, of course, Kentucky could get better at defense and Creighton could get better at defense and Kansas could find a fifth. Or, no, they got a fifth now. Johnny Furphy scored double figures four in a row. Uh, so now they need to find a sixth so that everybody doesn't have to play 38 minutes a game. Mike, I want to focus locally here, and let's remove the Missouri Valley automatic bid off of Indiana State's resume for the exercise. Where are they at in terms of the bubble if you do take that automatic qualifier away? Well, it's hard because, uh, first of all, they already have the Drake loss, so they missed an opportunity there. Uh, to get the kind of win that would get them in. Uh, they missed an opportunity in Michigan State. Of course, that's not a, a mark against them, but it, but you only get so many opportunities. So in order for them to be an at-large team, they would pretty clearly have to win their remaining games and then win. I, I, do they play Drake a second time? I yeah, don't have. They the play Drake actually coming up Saturday night. That's a, that's an ESPN yeah. two game by the way, six o'clock. Yeah, there's a this, Saturday's a fabulous day in college basketball, and that is on the list of great games we'll have uh, in, in college hoops. Uh, I think they have to win that one, and then they would have to lose in the final to Drake to have a shot. And the same is true for Drake. I think their chance is better. You know, one of the things that that we'll see whether the committee holds to this standard. But I went to a, a meeting five, six years ago. I don't remember what year it was. I should have written it down somewhere. I probably did. Uh, when they when they founded the net, it wasn't at that meeting, but they came out of that meeting with uh, myself and Jerry Palm and Joe Lenardi and uh, Ken, Ken Pomeroy and uh, Jeff Sagarin and all. Uh, they were all the mass people. I was just there to sort of provide a hoop voice. Uh, and... And they, that was where they founded the net. And, and I, I'll never forget uh, Jeff, excuse me, uh, Ken Pomeroy saying that he believed that the teams should be based, should be selected based on a metric that is not predictive, but rather results-based, like strength of record from ESPN or Kevin Palka's KPI, uh, something like that. And Indiana State. I don't really understand why there's such a wide variance in some of the results-based metrics. Um, but, like, Kevin Palga's KPI has Indiana State at 42. Strength of record has them at 19. And if they continue to win and they beat Drake and then they make the final, that, that's not going to go very far. It could fall down to 25, maybe 30 if they're winning all those games. And I'm not sure that it would fall. I'm just saying that's the, probably the lowest it would go. If they do all that, I, 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 it's hard for me to see them leaving out a team that the strength of record would basically say is an eight seed, say, and leave them out altogether. So that would that would be what their road would have to be. Again, he is Mike DeCourcy, Sporty News. As Andy said, going to come out with his latest uh, bracket here coming up a little bit later today. Mike, I assume it was important for Butler to get one on Saturday, but I'm guessing Butler still has got a good amount of work to do to get into um, the the tournament picture, I guess. How close are they to the bubble? Uh, there is no bubble. First of all, let me say uh, I don't believe there is no such thing as a bubble in on January thirtieth. The bubble does not exist until basically after Valentine's Day. 
because the, what, the, what you have to understand about the bubble is that's when the pressure is on. That's when everything you do, every move you make, every every French fry you eat oh. is going to have an influence. It seems on like an insult to Andy and I. <laughs> <laughs> I'm more of a tater tot. I'm more of a tater tot guy these uh, these days because well, of the I, wife. You guys Waffle fry if I'm going to be. Do, I don't. God, you guys aren't making it. I'm talking about the bulldogs here. You know, I mean, you guys aren't making it no matter how many fries you have or don't have. Uh, but they are they are in the picture. Certainly, they have two quad one wins. They're fifty second in the net. Uh, they they are fiftieth uh, in strength of record, fifty fifth in Ken Palm. So that's the that's in the picture. Now they have to do a lot from there, and uh, they 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 got some quality wins at the beginning of the year, which is helpful. And some of those are becoming more valuable. I mean, there are teams out there like Boise has continued to get better, and Texas Tech has continued to get better. There are teams out there that thought, you know, they scored a win like uh, Memphis, say, beating Virginia and thought, hey, look what we just did. And then Virginia kind of fell off the map a little bit. So uh, Butler's Butler's wins, their non-conference wins have continued to gain strength. The problem is, you know, the the Xavier loss in league uh, is is problematic now. Um, So they've got to go out and make up for that. And the worst part of it for them is that they now go on the road to probably the two best teams in the league, Creighton and Connecticut. If they could split that, then they could come back feeling really confident about trying to make a run. But that's going to be very difficult. Uh, They're both terrific teams, Creighton and Connecticut. And Connecticut, you saw what they did to Xavier on Sunday. It It was brutal. Yes, yeah, quad one and quad two here for the next couple weeks. Opportunities for Butler basketball. Mike DeCourcy on the Payless Liquors hotline from the Sporting News Big Ten Network, Fox Sports. All the bracket out later today. I don't want to skip tomorrow night's matchup with Northwestern, and I'm talking about Purdue. Northwestern, of course, beat Purdue earlier. That is a quality, quality basketball team. But since we have yawn, I, I do want to ask about. You mentioned Saturday, such a big day with college basketball. The next day, Sunday, boy, you have a big one with Purdue at Wisconsin. Wisconsin, uh, an NIT team last year, but this year, you know, with Ken Palm, number four in the country, adjusted offense, top 50 team on defense. Their ascension from NIT to one of the better teams in the country. How would you handicap that matchup? And what has Wisconsin done to go from an NIT team to being number six in the country in a massive game with Purdue on Sunday? Yeah, I think, first of all, what people need to understand about college basketball now is that nobody out there really is deep enough to withstand even one significant injury, especially to a star player. Uh, You you had uh, Tyler Wall get hurt about halfway through last year when Wisconsin had been playing reasonably well. They weren't going to be a great team, but they were going to get into the field. Uh, But then when Wall got hurt, they just weren't the same. And he did come back, but he wasn't the same. As a matter of fact, he wasn't the same player really until probably mid-December or so of this season. And so that, you know, that was what took them down a year ago. But they got better as well. Uh, adding John Blackwell as a freshman, adding A.J. Storr as a transfer. Rick Pitino has done a lot of good things with St. John's uh, in, in a single year in revamping the roster and bringing in people to make them better and holding on to Joel Soriano. But I don't understand why he let he – let, uh, kind of opened the door for A.J. Store because A.J. is fantastic. Uh, length, quickness, dynamism, uh, the ability to shoot the basketball at a reasonable level. He's not an elite shooter, but you at least have to think about guarding him. If you leave him open, he'll probably drop it. If you challenge him, he's probably not going to make it. So 
you have to guard him, but if you come out and flash out on a closeout, there's a good chance he's going to drive it past you and dunk it. Uh, that that they are. This is this is this may not be the most uh, this may not be the most talented Wisconsin team, and it probably in the end won't be the most accomplished because the 2015 team played for the title. But this is the most dynamic Wisconsin team of the last quarter century. They they have. They, they are just so much quicker at so many positions than they have been in the past. Yeah, that's going to be a fun game. Again, I don't want to overlook Northwestern because that's going to be a heck of a game tomorrow night. But uh, if uh, Purdue can win that, Purdue North, uh, Purdue and Wisconsin. Two versus six. I mean, you talk right about now. who's going to win the Big Ten. That's a huge game towards who is going to win the Big Ten. Mike DeCourcy with us from the Sporting News. Mike, we know who's not going to win the Big Ten. And that, unfortunately, we would uh, be Mike Woodson and Indiana basketball. Losers of three in a row. Uh, you know, I mean, come on. They, they, they had a nice effort against Illinois. Just came up short there. I don't want you to get mad at me, Mike. And obviously, Mike Woodson, not on the hot seat, but if they continue this trend and have this down year, I don't know. Does Mike Woodson need to look around and say, I need more guards? What's a big picture IU feeling and or topic as I'm already kind of looking to the offseason if they continue uh, to be this you know 500-ish team under 500 probably in the Big Ten? Well, I think the first thing, that, like, if you're looking toward next year, you want to hold on to as many of these guys as you can. Uh, that That's the first thing. Because I don't think any of them is ready for professional basketball, at least not at the level that they're capable of being. Mbako is not ready. Uh, Malik Renu is not ready. Uh, Khalil Ware is not ready. Those guys are, are, are very capable college players, but well away from what their potential is. And then... I would certainly want Trey Galloway to spend his fifth year if he's willing. I, I would want him to return as well. Uh, the two things I would say, uh, you need a point guard, um, and that's, that has to happen. Uh, they, 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 that's the position that they have been weakest at. Uh, I, I think Xavier Johnson has had moments, uh, but I think they put too much uh, – they invested too much in, in him as the singular point guard. And it, it, the injury was problematic. And then he's had multiple things on the floor that haven't helped. Uh, you, you, you want a guy who's playing basically a sixth year to be level-headed veteran, uh, a great example. And that's not really been 100% the case uh, since he returned. He played a very good game uh, in, the, in the Illinois game on Saturday. He was, that was about the best he's played, certainly the best he's played uh, probably since last year, uh, but uh, he's got to. He's got to. He, Mike's got to find somebody that he can trust to run the offense, uh, to play that position at a high level. It's the most important position on the floor. Uh, Illinois is getting by without a true point guard, but it just makes the game easier to have a Braden Smith who gets the ball where it's supposed to go, who can make an open shot, who's going to be competitive defensively in his matchup. Uh, having a player like that just makes the game easier for everybody. And with the nature of the offensive talents of the other players that are in the program, uh, it, it, it w- certainly would make it better for those guys to get better scoring opportunities that are created for them than to have to work to everything for themselves. And then the other thing is when you look at it, I mean, they're bringing in Liam McNeely, who, uh, all reports are is an elite wing uh, uh, stretch four, which, whichever they want to play him at, uh, and he should be terrific for them. 
Again, Mike DeCourcy, Sporting News, his latest bracket coming here this afternoon. You can catch him on Big Ten Network, TSN Mike on Twitter. Mike, as always, great stuff, man. Appreciate the combo and uh, have a good one. Thanks, guys. That's Mike DeCourcy right there on the Payless Slickers hotline. You know, you talk specifically about Indiana. Andy, I would think one of the most frustrating aspects to how this season has unfolded is just look at the top three teams in the Big Ten. Okay. All right, I'm looking at them. Yes. Wisconsin, Illinois, right? Okay. In common with those three teams, Wisconsin and Illinois more than Purdue, but Purdue is still very close to those two. Unbelievable impact from a transfer. A.J. Storr, Mike just mentioned his name, St. John's transfer to Wisconsin, their leading scorer. Marcus Damask with Illinois, their leading scorer as well. Lance Jones would be the one for Purdue, of course, their second leading scorer. Andy, if you look at any transfer portal rankings from last year, you won't find Storr, Damask, Jones anywhere near the top 20, 30, 50, 70 of these rankings, and yet those coaches, Brad Underwood and Greg Gard and Matt Painter, identified specific players that fit their puzzle. And that, I think, is not happening in Bloomington at all. It's not just go out and get dudes. It's no, no, no. You've got to get the right puzzle pieces to put that together. And if you look at what's happening in Wisconsin with A.J. Storr and how impactful he's been as a wing, Marcus Damask, hell, we saw it on Saturday against Indiana and closing that game out, again, as a wing, and then Lance Jones as another guard, another ball handler, impacting both ends of the floor. Those guards and wings, not the Khalil Ware, Hunter Dickinson type of transfer portal sort of attention around them, they've been massive to those three teams, I would say in Wisconsin's case, overachieving majorly. Illinois' case, if you had told them they lose Taron Shannon for as long as they right, did, still top ten team. They have right. maintained, and obviously Purdue. I'd say they're playing better than they did last year, and, and like that, I think is what has to burn Indiana fans so much. It's that the portal offers you this avenue that didn't happen five years ago where there is the quick-ish fix. Or at least you can find something there that can put the Band-Aid over the bullet hole. Eh, bullet hole is probably too too harsh. But can you know stop the bleeding a little bit more. Indiana tapped into it and just found the wrong guys or didn't find the right ones, I guess is probably the better way to put it when you talk about a guard and wing standpoint. I think if you're an Indiana fan, along with the in-house development that hasn't been there, with some with some guys you needed to take strides, that has to be the most frustrating. The transfer portal has has put more pressure on these coaches, and it's taken away. But it also an creates excuse. opportunity. No, that's what I'm saying. It's taken away. Well, it takes this long to build a program. It has taken away an excuse on if you're not very good that you need two and three years to build a program. And if you miss or you don't go after guys and it doesn't work out, you're going to get what Indiana basketball has this season. And it's not. I mean, Xavier Johnson and Trey Galloway's presence should have scared no one. Nobody. Or, or, or certainly Nobody. no one on the Indiana Nobody. staff from saying, no, we're good. A guy coming off a foot injury, one of the more volatile players in college basketball this season, Trey Galloway. Nice piece, largely a role player, though, I think on a quality team. That should not have caused any hesitation for that staff if they did strike out on some of those bigger names in trying to field a roster. Again, tonight, Indiana-Iowa, 7 o'clock. All right, the latest on Tyrese Halliburton. Uh, and, and Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Kaskali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Kaskali is right for you. 
animated Rick Carlisle with us earlier. We'll share that next. What did Rick Carlisle say about Tyrese Halliburton? We'll get to that sound here in about four minutes. But uh, quickly here, KB, you got a note, uh, a question about Jim Ursay. We yeah. haven't talked Jim Ursay this week, I don't believe. We have not. No, John asked us earlier in the show. He, John says, I'm trying to ignore all the outside rumors. The longer we don't hear about uh, Mr. Ursay, the more I worry. I'm starting to think this is really bad. Um, I, I, I would say this, and again, there's been nothing official from the Colts uh, in several weeks now. Uh, my worry level is is high. You know, this is a guy in, in Jim Mercy that is an extremely public individual, particularly for an NFL owner. And so you would think at the drop of any, you know, positive good news back on track, everyone would describe it, we'd hear it from him. I mean, think about the guy tweets about just about anything and 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 everything. And the anybody that has the medical history that he does, the age that he is, uh, at sixty four years old, and you know, to use the phrase from the Colts, a severe respiratory illness. Severe is not a word just to turn your head at at that age, given, again, his medical uh, history and, you know, the fact that, you know, earlier this month, the biggest game inside of that building in nine years and he's not there. I mean, that's that to me told you everything that you needed to know if you just want to use some context clues. So, yeah, John, to answer it, um, I am with you on that worry level and we'll obviously continue to keep you updated on anything that we hear on our and, uh, all right, on the other side, as Andy said, we will play the clip from earlier, the latest on Tyrese Halliburton via Rick Carlisle. And also, what can the Colts learn from these Super Bowl teams? We'll chat about that coming up in the 9 o'clock hour. 9 o'clock hour, hanging out with you here on The Fan. As always, as always I should say, broadcasting live from the DriveHubler.com studios. Appreciate Mike DeCourcy joining us. Some college basketball conversation. And Rick Carlisle joining us. You miss any of those conversations. As always, check them out on the Podcast Center at 1075thefan.com. We're going to get into some cults, some NFL stuff here in a second. I have a tweet that I think uh, KB will not like. It's a Mike Florio tweet just to get you mad in the nine o'clock hour. If I don't mind doing that, get he you frustrated. <laughs> get you frustrated um, in the nine o'clock hour. But before we do that, uh, just quickly, we teased it, so we want to we want to come through on our tease. Rick Carlisle was on in the eight o'clock hour with us, like he is uh, just about every Tuesday here on the Wake Up Call. And one of the questions uh, that we asked: How did Halliburton look? Again, expected to play tonight. If he wakes up in that hammy, everyone's feeling good about his hamstring expected to play tonight he did practice slash scrimmage yesterday uh, so I ask how did he look in that practice and any minute restrictions tonight for Halliburton here's Carlisle earlier on with us he looked good and you know I, uh, in terms of the minutes I'm not going to get into the what the minutes are going to be um, he will he will uh, not play a full game but he will be um, brought back into this uh, somewhat gradually, and um, and we'll build it from there. So, um, but the f- most important thing, as you mentioned, is that he's he's feeling uh, he's feeling good today. And and uh, as I as I said, if that's the case, then I expect that he will play tonight. Be curious to watch, obviously, tonight, Andy, but Thursday, Friday, you know, that is a back-to-back. We asked Rick a little bit later, you know, okay, is there any plan yet for that? I believe that's the only back-to-back through the All-Star break. So that's the only one you got to worry about here for the next couple of weeks, but it's a critical one. It's New York, uh, which right now, if you look at the standings, there could be a head-to-head tiebreaker that might be impactful down the stretch. That's up for grabs here. You face the Knicks actually twice here. 
before the All-Star break. And then if you're Tyrese, you talk about a game you circle. Uh, Friday against Sacramento, I would think, would be one high on the list. So certainly interested to see that. Uh, Rick did mention Benedict Matherin uh, injured his toe. And that has been a tricky injury for the Pacers in the past with guys like Chris Duarte, Miles Turner. So we'll see about Matherin. He seems to play through just about everything. But uh, that'll be something to keep an eye on. I am a little surprised to see the Pacers as big of an underdog. I was surprised to see the line at seven and a Still half. Still seven and a half right now. Uh, Boston played last night, and don't just look at the final score and think it was a breeze. Boston had to grind out a victory over the Pelicans last night. They were down big early. Their starters did not play well early on, and it was a normal Boston unit outside of Porzingis. He is dealing with an ankle injury. They were down ten at half. Um, down even early in the fourth quarter and then you know, closed how you would think Boston would close and did win that game. But guys like Al Horford and Jalen Brown and Jason Tatum and Drew Holiday, Andy, they all were you know north, well north of 30 minutes, 35 minutes, even close to 40. So that's good news, I think, for the Pacers. Uh, these teams have split so far this year. Obviously, none of the games really have like a specific resemblance to tonight, whether it's the Siakam availability for the first time uh, in the five games between these two teams. You know, Halliburton missed a game, missed half a game. Jason Tatum missed a game. Uh, you had some back-to-backs thrown in there. Again, Porzingis' injury situation. But uh, definitely eager to see uh, the Pacers tonight in Boston. All right, so what's the over-under quickly? Because he's averaging... About 33, almost 34 minutes a game this season is Halliburton. When he came back in the Portland game, he played 35 minutes, if you remember. So there were no restrictions just a week. Was it a week ago? Whatever it was. I mean, yeah, there about were, 10 days yeah, ago. There, yeah, there were, a week and a half ago, there were no restrictions. He came back in that Portland game, uh, and he might have been favoring the hamstring, whatever it may be. He played 35 minutes, which was over uh, his average. What do you think it is tonight? Well, I mean, great 25 and a half, 24 and a half, 27 and a half. I mean, obviously, if he goes out there and tweaks something in the first quarter, then that doesn't matter. But if they, if this plays out like Rick Carlisle would hope, how does he manage this? Uh, and I think also it has to do with where the game is and also how a guy like Andrew Nemhard's been playing in the last four games. I told you yesterday, this guy's played what, 18 and eight. He shot almost 60% from the field. He's been great. Could you slice it up to four, seven minute segments? I think that's probably what you're looking at, right? Seven of the game. Yeah. Then he comes out. Extended break. Maybe play the last seven there of the second quarter. Same thing in the second half. Save him, of course, for the last seven minutes of the game. You know, Nemhard's a guy that obviously you want Halliburton to play as much as possible. Um, You know, you you certainly also want to look at it and, and. Realize that Nemhard is a big guy for tonight, and that you know you need guys to guard Drew Holiday. You need guys to guard, um, you know Jalen Brown, Jason Tatum. Um, so it's a very important defensive presence on that end of the floor as well for you. So um, again, I'll be curious to see uh, exactly what the minute threshold is with Nemhard, uh, or excuse me, is with Halliburton. Coming up tonight, and then the trickle-down effect. You know, if Matherin's out, of course, that's going to impact some things from a minute standpoint. And and also, I don't know how much of an impact necessarily it is tonight, but I just think 
you're on kind of Buddy Heald watch for the next 10 days. If you look at it, Andy. You have to be. I believe yeah, in the last to. four games, he's had three points or less in three of them. I mean, he's just he's been, he's been bad the last four games, which is surprising. I mean, you could say, well, Nemhart's picked up. But, I mean, if you'd have told me they were going to be Philly, Phoenix, and then grind out a win against the Grizzlies, and you would get, you know, next to nothing from Buddy Heald, I would have said one of those games he'll come in and knock down five or six threes, right? You would right. automatically think that in the analysis of the game. Yeah, and, and I think Buddy's such a guy that's like you can easily just call it a little bit of a slump, and then boom, all of a sudden to your point, he hits five or six threes, and you're good to go there. So um, again, TNT exclusive tonight for the Pacers. Uh, so no Bally Sports. Uh, that'll be back on the docket coming up Thursday. Just one last thing before we get to some NFL here. I just for me, I I don't know the reasons. I'm just throwing this out that I find this to be interesting. When he came back, like just how all this has worked out, when he came back against Portland, wasn't it one of those things that all of us were surprised? That was back on the 19th. That was 11 days ago. Yeah. He came back against about Portland. A week and a half yeah, post injury. Exactly. We were all just counting two weeks, right? And I know there was the Woj report about two weeks and nothing from the Pacers. So I understand it's not like the Pacers told us, you know, it was going to be, it was going to be 17 days. It, it wasn't anything like that or even two weeks, but it just was curious uh, that he came back so quick and then he played in that game and we thought he was okay. Maybe there's some parts during the game. Quinn Buckner. Um, Bally's looked at a couple different plays where he might be favoring the hamstring, but he played 35 minutes, which is over the you know which is over his season average. And then Carlisle comes on with us, and it's no, it's not a re-injury, um, but we're just going to manage this differently. We're going to sit him out three games. Now you won those games, so you could buy you know you could buy yourself that there, there wasn't any pressure playing Sunday against Memphis for what they had out. Uh, to me, I mean, you're playing, sure, maybe with house money, but it's not a very good Memphis team. And this team being deep enough, you could win a game like that. And hell, even Miles Turner doesn't play and Matherin plays great and you win a game like that. And now he's coming back and now they're managing. I mean, they didn't man. It was 35 minutes right. against Portland 11 days ago. How much is the managing yeah. now and, in game? Yes, and now now it's like okay, if he plays 23 minutes tonight, and then he plays 28 minutes, 29 minutes, whatever it may be, 30 minutes against New York, and then he's back home. Maybe maybe Friday, you're back home and you're getting that 33 to 35 minutes from Halliburton. It's just something. I it, maybe not a re-injury. Something coming from that Portland game scared them enough that made them view this hamstring differently than they did the previous 10 games. That would be fair. Maybe scares too much, but they slowed this process down much more so than they did 11 days ago. Well, I, I mean, and to put on the medical hat, which you know people could laugh at, which is totally fine and fair, as they should have. I mean, hamstrings are tricky. And, like, uh, you watched the Portland game. It was, it, I would say it was rather obvious. Halliburton was clearly hurt. Hell, Halliburton said yesterday, yeah, there was pain during the Portland game. And, and it was a lot of pain after the game. So you needed to assess the management of it, uh, reassess things, totally good with it. Yes, these games are important right now, but nothing is more important than your star being available for a huge stretch coming up as the calendar continues to get deeper in, into 2024. So... Uh, now I'm just curious more about the 
It's one thing to manage it off the floor. Right. Now you get him on the floor. I mean, they said yesterday, 20-minute scrimmage against you know interns and, and, and kind of bottom-feeding guys. That ain't Drew Holiday. So, again, how does that look? Tonight here, do you have to be able to ball to be an intern for the Pacers? Like, around, like well, you have I, to play like low, low, uh, like D three or NAIA or something I in would college. Just, or what do you have to like do? Philip Seymour Hoffman and along came Polly, was just like Rainmaker, and he's just like <laughs> clanking it off the off the grid. Yeah, I don't think you're going over the Ursay Y, which I, I think is some good run and maybe some, grabbing some people there. But I would assume one of the scrimmagers is. Um, is McCaffrey's kid, right? Caitlin Clark's boyfriend? Oh, that's a great point. I forgot about Connor? that. Yeah. Connor McCaffrey? Is it Connor? Patrick is still there, right? Patrick will play against IU tonight. And Connor McCaffrey, one of the, I don't know, I, I don't have his title correct, but video coordinating intern, something like that. Uh, I'd assume he's probably well, one of them. I always for- he was known for his defense. Well, I always forget. I always forget about Connor. I always wonder. You know, there's been a couple times where his father Fran, where I've kind of taken a run at him for being a, a crazy man on the sideline occasionally. Well, like I've done that three times this morning. Notre Dame is currently <laughs> recruiting a McCaffrey, and he has told schools that he will not be playing for his father. Really? Yes, Jack. I think is his name. Okay. Yeah, I know. I saw. Is he the last one? The lineage of McCaffrey I believe, kids. Yeah, I saw Michael Shrewsbury at one of his games. I'm like, is this a waste of time? And then he has decided okay. not to. Um, I, I did want to get to this. Obviously, we haven't talked a whole lot of Colts today. It is Senior Bowl week, so expect to see a good amount of Colts uh, people down there for that. We know the Senior Bowl has been a huge event for. Indianapolis over the years, I believe if you add up all the Chris Ballard drafts, I think they've drafted 26 Senior Bowl guys in the seven drafts. I think last year's draft alone had about half of the Senior Bowl, or half of the class was from the Senior Bowl. I mean, we're talking Michael Pittman Jr. and Shaq Leonard and, you know, Bernard Ryman, I think is a great Senior Bowl story in that you're projecting a guy from the MAC level to a little bit of a higher level. Okay, how does he hold up? This week, he only weighs you know 290 pounds. He was a former tight end. How can he hold up against better competition? He held up pretty well. Some people didn't love that he had short arms. The Colts said, no, <laughs> we can work with it. They draft him in, in round three, and I would say that he's your left tackle for the foreseeable future. So um, it's it's a big week for the Colts. But you know, in terms of the Super Bowl teams, Andy, you have two very different quarterbacks, obviously, in Brock Purdy and Patrick Mahomes. But I look at how San Francisco and Kansas City have built things. I think it's very fair to call Kansas City a budding dynasty. Like, I think that is exactly where they're at. They've now done this for a handful of years. In the NFL, if you do something at the level Kansas City's done for a handful of years, you are a budding dynasty, in my mind. San Francisco is probably the one team that's just on that tier below, in that they've made some routine runs. And they've made very deep runs. And they've been a great regular season team. And they have also put together a roster that, in my opinion, is probably the best in the league. Yeah, it's good. And it's probably the most high-end talent of any in the league. And I sit here and look at the Colts and think, Kansas City start to build in the dynasty. And San Francisco, what they're doing right now, the Colts are in a position this offseason to start to try and get to that level. Obviously, it's a very lofty goal to get to that level, but go with Kansas City first. Mahomes is drafted in, what, 2017? He doesn't sign that first big deal till 2020. And in that little run there, they obviously paid Chris Jones big money. They paid Travis Kelsey big money. Those are kind of the core guys. Now, it got to the point where they started to pay Mahomes the big money. They couldn't keep on to Tyreek Hill. They did keep Kelsey. 
They did keep Chris Jones. Uh, Chris Jones could be gone after Chris this Jones year. Chris Jones was yeah. throwing a franchise Sure tag. he was. Now, if you go back to the first Super Bowl between these two teams, whether it was Tyron Matthew, whether it was Frank Clark, remember how big Sammy Watkins was sure. in that Super Bowl? Sure. So they made some other pieces at a times when Mahomes was on the rookie deal that they said, all right, this is our time to go swing for a Frank Clark a bit. Swing for a Sammy Watkins. Again, go get a Honey Badger type. They might not be long-term pieces, but they can get us over the hump while we have the core guys in Kelsey and Jones and up until, you know, of course, a couple years ago, Tyreek Hill as well. Now, look at San Francisco. Brock Purdy's on the rookie deal, and he's on the last pick of the entire draft rookie Man, deal. He's on the best deal. He is He is literally the most valuable player in the NFL. And if you because look of at that. San Francisco's roster, Andy, oh, it's loaded. Debo. they are paying McCaffrey yeah. top of running back market money. Debo, Debo Samuel, Samuel, big money. Top of wide a receiver bunch of those, money. A bunch of those defensive George linemen. George Kittle, Armstead. top of tight end yeah, money. All those guys. Trent Williams at left tackle. And I'm going to keep going. Eric Armstead, you pointed out. Nick Bosa, defensive line. Fred Warner at linebacker. I mean, that right there, you're getting into like a half dozen guys that make top-of-market money. Why and how are they able to do it? It's because Brock Birdie makes nothing when you consider it in NFL terms. Now, Anthony Richardson does not make nothing right now, but he doesn't make a ton when you consider normal quarterback money. So I bring up this to say, this is the time. San Francisco has viewed it, and even Garoppolo wasn't making extraordinarily high money when they moved on from him, and certainly they tried it with Trey Lance, but it didn't work out, so they didn't have to pay him at all. So now, they have been, okay, we're going to make sure we have elite Pro Bowl, borderline Hall of Fame talent at the other positions to make up for the investment that we aren't making at quarterback. And they've now created this thing that's an absolute juggernaut. So they are different ways to build, but they're both reminders, Andy. Kansas City, the starting of their dynasty. San Francisco now saying, oh my gosh, this is our opportunity to go all in on these positions. Make a trade for a running back that a lot of teams would scoff at. We'll make a trade for Chase Young, middle of the season. And as say, well. take advantage yeah. of this time. And that's where I'm at with the Colts. You're sitting here in an offseason, and you're going to have this for probably the next two offseasons, where, again, you're not paying the quarterback major, major money. You take advantage of it. You front-load contracts. You make some moves that you might not make in a normal manner and see what that can do for you on the back end of Richardson's rookie contract. Again, Kansas City did some of it. Now, Tyron Matthew... And Frank Clark and Sammy Watkins, they weren't core guys for three to four years, but they got them, helped get them that first Super Bowl. And that is critically important, I think, to how you put together a winning NFL franchise. You have to be good at both of it. You, you, do, have, you, you have to be difficult. good on the you have to be good, good on the front end, and you have to give the quarterback money and be able to live with yourself and build a team while giving him money. And I don't want to act like San Francisco maybe went out of their building to do a ton of it because they drafted Debo, they drafted Kittle, they drafted you know Bosa and Armstead and Fred Warner. Now Trent Williams and Christian McCaffrey are obviously big big moves that they made on top of it, but they are able to pay those guys and retain you know outside of DeForest Buckner. San Francisco has not really had to say goodbye to any of their mainstays from the last Super Bowl. If you go back and look at the last Super Bowl, it's a lot of the same. Obviously, Purdy being a big difference there. Um, so I just view it. And Chris Power, to be fair to him, Andy, he said this a few weeks ago. Like, 
we've got a rookie quarterback right. he contract. Gets it. Of course he gets this it. This is a right. time to do some things that you might not have been comfortable doing in years past. So I'm just curious to see how that will look for the Colts. And I think San Francisco and Kansas City are built differently in that, again, one is built you know, largely because of their quarterback. The other one is built because of the support around the QB. But if you look at both of them and their teams, you can point to when you have the rookie contract quarterback, that is a beautiful time, a multi-year window, to try and do things differently, and you must take advantage of that. And I think the Colts are on the front of that right now. They are, but let me ask you, let me kick back on a couple things. Listen, I agree with what you're saying. I guess my biggest problem is when, and this is not even a problem, it's just, it, it might it might be reality. When we have had the conversation about them having all this salary cap, $72, $73 million, we did the exercise, what was it, last week or the week before, Kevin, where it feels like the majority of that is going to in-house guys. Now, we don't know that. And of course, Michael Pittman would be a guy that I would sit aside that you want to take care of Michael Pittman, um, you know, taking care of your own, whatever moniker you want to use. You want to take care of Michael Pittman. If you don't have Pittman, what else is out there? But I guess my thing is the big free agent swing is not a Ballard thing. And the big trade doesn't feel like a Ballard thing. And moving up in the draft doesn't feel like a Ballard thing. But he also has never been in this position. Uh, uh, agreed. So I guess my question would be, where does the swing, if, if we're talking well, about a big swing or a Pascal Siakam size swing, because everything we've mentioned this offseason has been signing the guys that were on this team this past year. I guess uh, maybe... You know, but if he doesn't you, feel that can way, can you sign all four? And do you want to absolutely sign well, all four? I think the second it, part's your question. If it means that's it, and, and Ballard would counter against you, he would say, "No, we we traded the 13th pick for DeForest Buckner. We made a big trade for Carson Wentz. Obviously, didn't work. It didn't out. work, but now, you made the move. To your sure. point about trading up and your point about free agent signings, I would probably agree with you there. But I guess the question becomes this, and it's a it's a bit of a scary proposition when I say it out loud. But I think it's part of, you know, how these sorts of moves have to develop. Can you patchwork around a Grover Stewart loss? Can you patchwork around a Kenny Moore loss? Right. Can you patchwork around a Julian Blackman loss? If I said those three names, you probably would say Blackman would be the easiest one to do. The Colts have found one-year stopgap guys at safety prior, whether it was, you know, Mike Mitchell, if you want to go to the start of the Ballard era, or if you want to go to Rodney McLeod just a couple years ago, but that would be the question. And if you're opening up $7 million there, or 9 or $10 million there, and you're trying to, again, skate by, get by a little bit in a different avenue, what if that money then turns into more of the big splash at another spot? I think that would be the question that I would have with, with, with that. And again, I know there's probably a lot, a big chunk of our audience that's like, I'll believe it when I see it. That's how I feel. And I agree. Yeah, that's how I feel. But Ballard's words were different a few weeks ago than they usually are. And he pointed out the biggest difference in that, again, he is not having a large, you know, high percentage of his cap going to a quarterback. This it, You'd be naive to be an NFL GM and look at the opportunity with a rookie contract quarterback and treat it like now Kansas City has to treat it and paying Mahomes a 10-year, 
$500 million deal or whatever it was. Like, this is the opportunity. This is the time. And it's very similar to Buffalo trading for Stephon Diggs when Josh Allen was on a rookie contract. Very similar to Philadelphia trading for A.J. Brown when Jalen Hurts was on a rookie contract. Very similar to Miami trading for Tyreek Hill when Tua was on a rookie contract. This is the time to do it if you want to be a legit team and set up for, I think, some real, real January type of success. You've got to be open-minded to that. And again, maybe it's me being wishful thinking here, but I did think Ballard at least had some ears open based off his words from a few weeks ago. Yeah, I'm I'm interested in, in what he does here. Uh, I'm interested in who they want to keep, who they extend contracts to. I'm interested in how much they're willing to fight for some of these guys. I will say what, one thing I don't care about, and I know Ballard may have said this in the past, is we pay our own. I don't nest. I don't feel that way. I, I I understand it. I can understand because you're comfortable with a guy. Um, but I, I mean that's that's not really what you're talking about here. I mean we would well, be talking about guys you don't know uh, being yeah. on this team at whatever it, position. Obviously, there's risk involved with all of it. At some point, your own stale becomes too harsh, but your own just becomes a bit of damaged goods, and, and that's what you have to ask. Again, I think Grover Stewart and Kenny Moore can still give you pretty good football. But I also can sit here and be like, they're 30 years old and right. Grover, and the other one is approaching right. that. I know. And they're, you know, Kenny, two years ago, didn't have a great year. So, and when corners reach that age, you know, when does that start to decline? Uh, three weeks from today, Andy, that is probably the first sign of any action we could see with the Colts this offseason. February 20th, that is the start of a two week franchise tag window. Um, so leading into free agency, which is March 13th, from February 20th to March 5th, two-week window to apply the franchise tag to Michael Pittman Jr. if they would like. That will be, I think, probably the first major domino here this offseason. I wanted to bring up one other thing. We'll get to a check down here in a second. Again, we'll get to uh, some Rick Carlisle sound as well here in a moment. Pop quiz coming your way in about 10 minutes. You know, I went and see all these numbers right here. I'm showing the, I'm showing the YouTube audience. Uh, I'm just going to keep these uh, in my notebook and just have some oh, numbers wow. here. It's a lot of you numbers here. Well, I had nothing to do. Uh, my wife goes to yoga uh, at night and so I have the boy and I actually got him to take a nap. Mason took a nap yesterday. It was a big day in the sweetie household. He takes after me. He will sleep at night, but he ain't going to take no nap, KB. Wow. <laughs> Understand? It ain't going to be much more than 15 minutes. I would minute much nap. rather prefer the well, uh, sleep at night. Than, oh, he sleeps at night. Yeah. You know. He's not taking after me. He's taking after his mother, which is great. I think after looking at it, I'm wondering if you feel the same way. You mentioned the NFC. George Kittle. I'm, I'm talking about tight ends now. George Kittle, Sam Laporta. Uh, and then obviously Mark Andrews, they went and got was it lively as well? Did uh, did the uh, did the Baltimore Ravens? So I think is a fine player. That's who was triple covered, triple teamed, if you will, when Lamar threw the interception Lamar in the open. fourth quarter. He did raise his hand like he was Randy Moss. He had three defenders circling him. And then of the Chiefs, what they've had uh, with a Hall of Famer there in Kelsey. I think for me, it's not going to get a lot of love, but I went back. And so the Colts had 70 catches by tight ends last year. 
They had 74 targets, but they had 70 catches. Obviously, Granson led the way with 30. There were 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, 9, 10 other teams who actually had less catches from a tight end than the Indianapolis Colts. Now, some of those take with a grain of salt. For instance, the 49ers had 69. They had one less, but they have George Kittle, who is obviously way better uh, than anything the Colts had. The Dolphins only had 41 catches from a tight end, but obviously when you have Tyreek Hill and Jalen Waddle and that running game, you can understand how the tight end would be the odd man out. The Eagles had 68. Again, two less catches. Uh, Dallas Goddard missed a lot of the season. Missed much of the season. If he plays a few more games, that number is way higher. And then unfortunately, it's a bunch of bad teams. It's the Broncos and Panthers and Raiders. Uh, The Rams actually are on that list. Again, Two stud wide receivers. They had three or four wide receivers. I think Tutu Atwell had a nice year for them. The reason I bring all this up when we're talking about bringing in guys, taking a swing, whatever it may be, I think one. I think something has to be done at tight end. And but looking at these numbers, even though they're not as egregious as I thought they were going to be, quite frankly, I thought the Colts would be maybe in the bottom five uh, in tight ends. I look at these numbers. I am probably more sold now than I was two weeks ago on a guy like Brock Bowers. When you talk about bringing someone into this offense, uh, I don't know what they do at tight end, but since we were talking about it, I did do the numbers against 70 catches from from tight ends uh, by by the by the Colts. I mean, obviously, some of these teams, Jags had 132, Evan Ingram had up over 100 catches, the Texans had 92, Lions 101 with Sam Laporta being so good. So I throw it out there, Arizona 106, McBride had a big year for them. We talk about taking swings, I, you know, we talk about wide receivers so much. If he wants to bring in wide receivers and keep the same tight ends, that's fine. But if you're not going to fill the wide receiver room with more weapons, to me, I'm all in on a guy like Brock Bowers now. Looking yeah. at those numbers, I'm all in I've on a guy like him. i pass catcher, not yeah. just like wide out or tight end. And I think Bowers falls into that category. And I do think it's worth noting, no tight ends are free agents for the Colts. None of these guys are... You know, hitting for agency here in a month. But you do have the legal process for Drew Ogletree still needing to play out. I believe he's got a court date coming up here in February. He remains on the, uh, whatever it is, commissioner's list. And then Mo Cox. You can save about $5 million if you cut ties with him. Now, he still played a decent amount for you last season. Now, granted, you had a lot of, obviously, Jelani Woods was out. And, you know, Ogletree was in and out even with his injury situation, too. Will Mallory was banged up at different times. But I am curious how they view tight end. Not a position Ballard mentioned. No. It's not a, it's not, it's not a premium position, but it's a position they could be better, and they could be better on the it, cheap it if, a guy like Bra- if, yeah, if Bowers were to fall to you. By the way, uh, quickly, the Athletic just released another mock draft. They had the Colts. They had Rome Adunze from Washington, the wide receiver, falling to them at 15. Where'd they have and, Bowers? And how great would that be? Uh, let me. I'm going to have to look here and see if I had Bowers. I've seen Adunze a little uh, 10 to the Jets. That. Yeah, Dunes getting to 15. That would be, I mean, to me, that would be a dream, would it not? To we'll throw have, him in uh, there with Pittman and Downs? Oh, VSPN draft analyst Jordan Reed on tomorrow. We'll start to sprinkle in some draft guys. Now we had Dane Brugler on a couple weeks ago, so we'll do that here. As we inch closer to not only Senior Bowl this week, but Combine coming up about this time next month. And then, of course, the draft here 
in a few months. All right, if you missed it, Rick Carlisle, the latest on Tyrese Halliburton he shared with us earlier. We'll play that here on a Morning Checkdown. The Morning Checkdown, brought to you by the Barbasol Horizon League Basketball Championships. March starts here at the Indiana Farmers Coliseum, March 11th and 12th. Yeah, uh, I was going to say Gamebridge, not Gamebridge tonight. In Boston are the Indiana Pacers, 730 on TNT. Our coverage here on The Fan beginning at 7 o'clock. Rick Carlisle was on with us earlier. Uh, How much will Halliburton play? How did he look in that practice yesterday? Here's your head coach. He looked good. And, you know, uh, in terms of the minutes, I'm not going to get into what the minutes are going to be. He will will, uh, not play a full game, but he will be um, brought back into this uh, somewhat gradually. And um, and we'll build it from there. So, um, but the f- most important thing, as you mentioned, is that he's he's feeling uh, he's feeling good today. And and uh, as I as I said, if that's the case, then I expect that he will play tonight. Again, seven thirty on TNT. Our coverage on the fan at seven o'clock. Currently, Boston a seven and a half point favorite with your over under coming in at two forty four and a half. Time to you know get the out of there. Yeah, that was the other big item mm-hmm. from Rick yeah. Carlisle uh, in his segment with us earlier. The f bomb drop in regards to him being ejected last week. Uh, other items of note: Benedict Matherin questionable, Miles Turner questionable. So we'll see about their statuses. Again, a toe injury for Matherin. If you missed the Carlisle. Uh, audio with us uh, that will be up on our podcast here after the show. Be censored, though. It will be. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Mark's trying to save us. It's a family. Yeah. It's a family program uh-huh. around here. It's what we care about. Uh, we'll see how much of a family atmosphere it is tonight <laughs> in Assembly Hall, seven o'clock. That line hovered right around a pick 'em. I've seen Iowa favored by one, one and a half. I've seen Indiana favored by one, one and a half. Uh, it's Indiana and Iowa. Neither of these teams anywhere close to being an NCAA tournament type of outfit. Indiana has struggled defending Fran McCaffrey's bunch here in recent years. Now, granted, the Murray brothers are no longer there, so that's probably worth pointing out here. It's not the typical Iowa just like gun a bunch of threes and score 80 or 90 like they have been. Um, So this one is 7 o'clock tip from Bloomington. Khalil Ware sounds very much up in the air again for tonight on where he is at. And I am curious to see about Xavier Johnson. Do we get a little bit of a stretch here from uh, him, uh, that will be something to keep an eye on after. I, I did think for the most part, he played pretty good basketball for you on Saturday in Champaign. Yeah, haven't we done the uh, over-under? Who gets a technical tonight? Fran gets one, and does Xavier Johnson receive anything? A technical, a flagrant, anything. I had... Well, we, we, we have a lot then, okay? And, so what, and, and what happens the three first? Maybe we have a trifecta. Okay, what happens let's go. first, okay? A, Fran technical. B, Xavier Johnson flagrant. Or Tech. Or C, Indiana makes a three. <laughs> I'm going with C. I'm going with C. Before the second TV timeout, the Indiana Hoosiers will have made at least one three-pointer tonight against Iowa. 17-28, Galloway for three. Honestly, the most fitting would be shot clock winding down, Xavier Johnson shot put bank in three on the first possession of the game. I tell you what, I'll go opposite. I'll say at the 14-32 mark, it will be a random Malik Renew three-pointer from the oh, wing. How like, does that sound? Like Iowa's left yeah. him open and yeah. he kind of looks uh, at yeah, him for yeah. five seconds. That's a great shot. Fran McCaffrey will give him that shot. He'll make it. There's your three-pointer. I might play a game with myself where I just see how many beers I can drink before a three-pointer pointer is made by IU and I won't like chug them I'll just you know just 
go at my na- normal pace. But it's like your version of a power hour? Yeah. Uh-huh. Just well, see how long it takes. Do you drink all those Sun Kings or are you just yet. one or no, two at no, a city? No, delicious okay. though for the right. uh, championship games. Thank Shout you very much. To the great Corey Cox. He has screenshotted our faces when oh boy. Rick Carlisle dropped the F-bomb. <laughs> just priceless. Oh, I got to see that. I like that. This is outstanding here. Thank God there wasn't a camera on me. Well, I mean, that the, was a whole different look. The beauty is there's different levels of curse words, and he went right to the big one. Well, I was curious Did how he, not? Would, he would respond. For those that missed it, I, I asked him, you know, okay, what happens when you get ejected? We saw him get ejected. Well, it was a week ago tonight, right? Denver? Yeah, it was Denver, yeah. And, and so I'm sitting there watching the game. I'm like, man, he is really pissed off. Now he is upset. And he's storming out here. I'm like, I wonder what happens after that. Yeah. So I, I jotted it down. I'm like, you know what? We'll see what type of mood Rick's in next week. But if he's up for it, I'll throw the question there. And I thought he gave, yes, the F word was the uh, juiciest no, part I'm seeing it now, of his yeah. answer. But I thought Rick gave a great detailed answer on what happens post-ejection. <laughs> we found out there's digital television in GameBridge. Kevin so Pritchard came yeah. for support. Kevin Pritchard came. Now, he didn't say the whole game. Did you notice that? The game got good. Kevin Pritchard went back out and he watched it courtside. Scratched Rick's back for yeah. a little bit and then went back. But no Chris and Quinn and JJ. <laughs> I guess in the office of Rick Carlisle. Again, that'll be up on the podcast. All right, it's time for the pop quiz. 317-239-1070. We'll do that next. Studied. Can you handle the pressure? Sharpen your pencils. Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Kaskali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Kaskali is right for you. Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Kaskali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Kaskali is right for you. It's time for the Pop Quiz with KB and Andy. Brought to you by Jiffy Lube, Indiana's favorite oil change since 1985. All right, I'm going to make Kevin Bowen pick the caller because I did so yesterday. No offense, I forget the gentleman's name. It was a disastrous performance, was it not? Didn't we only get one out of five? And quite frankly, we weren't too close. We tried to uh, to help him out a couple times. It didn't work out, KB. We got to do better today. You understand? Improvement we is We got to do better. <laughs> I believe this guy's birthday today, uh, Scotty. The answer number one. It is. I saw that. That's already a hint. You don't even know the question, and you already got a hint. Now, this is all football and basketball, and I would say over the course of you know five pop quizzes a week, it's very rare that we get one that is just strictly football and basketball. So I would say that's an encouraging sign uh, for that. By the way, I must admit that when Rick Carlisle dropped the uh, F word earlier with us, I, inside I, I had a few of those as well. What, what do you mean? A few few F-bombs yeah. inside of you? Uh, I'm like, oh. That's <laughs> <laughs> well, okay. It's why the dump button's there. Mark, I think, Mark had Dykins. one out loud, too. Yeah. He nearly mumbled it. I feel I I probably shouted it from my insides, but yeah, I think I said a couple. Yeah, it's one it's one of those like occasionally, you know. And I'm sure this is like a no no that uh, Todd Meyer and everyone yells against, but uh, I, I'm sure it's a no no. But if like Mark had to get up and go to the bathroom or something, mm-hmm. it would not be during that segment. That would be like, sorry, yeah. you're gonna have to Which hold Mark it to eight thirty. Does not 30. do that often, but there no, has been an interview or two where Mark, you know, just has had the urge to go to the bathroom and. 
Mark, thankfully, we've had well-behaved individuals during that one. Yeah, like, Maybe, so, like, get a squatty potty in here, so just in case <laughs> I don't have to leave. Like, Mike DeCorsi, like he'd be fine. He's one you could get up and, you know, go to the bathroom and uh, crush a heater or something, you know, outside. You'd be fine. You'd be rip good to go. Right yeah, you could rip a dart during Jordan Reed. I would imagine tomorrow when we have ESPN's draft analyst, he'll be fine. But, uh, yeah, I mean, I mean, even Carla even put the inflection on. He's still mad a week later over being tossed. Let's go. Uh, <laughs> let's go. Fast fingers today. It's the lone, I guess, previously scheduled nationally televised game for the Pacers. Again, TNT exclusive tonight. No Bally action. So, Mark, who is our fast fingers on this Tuesday morning? That would be Tyler. Tyler, good morning, man. How are you? Doing good. Hey, Tyler. How are you? Doing well. Doing well. Tyler, where are you driving to? Uh, going to work. Are you driving on the northeast side by any chance? I heard it was awful up there earlier today. I'm heading out to the east side, Irvington. Oh, nice. Really That's be, Andy Sweeney's neck yeah, of the woods. Yeah, you'll be in my hood. Well, I'll see you in about, uh, about an hour or so. There Give a wave. <laughs> Give you a wave on the way. All right. Tyler, I, I felt exhilarated this morning in trying to dodge potholes. Do you feel that right now when you get behind the wheel? Washington Street, uh... Hot mecca. Dude, it's a mess. Is there any, <laughs> it's, it's is there any street mess. that's not? I mean, literally, I, I get my feelings like I'm in the Indianapolis 500 with my ability to. Yeah, it's unbelievable. There's no potholes on the, on the Speed speedway, walk. though. Well, I, I meant It's a smooth just surface, the, KB. Yeah, How yeah. dare you? Speeds mm-hmm. How dare having you? To dodge, I hope though. Jake didn't hear that. Slander. Ugh. Slander. Tyler, Hi, Tyler, thank you for calling. Let's go. Uh, Andy Sweeney wants to switch up the juju. Does that mean you want me to give number one, too? I don't care. That's up to you. I can. I was just making you pick the caller because yesterday I picked the caller. I did a terrible job. So that's Tyler, all. Tyler, it's this man's birthday today, okay? The Pacers have reached the NBA Finals once, losing to the Lakers in the 2000 Finals. Who was the Pacers' leading scorer in that 99-2000 season? Was it Reggie? Was it Rick Smiths? Was it Jalen Rose? Or was it Austin Crozier? In the series or in the season? For the season, 0.1 point better than number two on this list. He just turned 51 today. Go with Reggie. You sure, Tyler? Go with Rick Smith. You sure, Tyler? Let's go with Jalen Rose. <laughs> there you go. You knew it wasn't Austin Crozier. That you did know that one. Uh, question number two: The Pacers enter tonight's game with Boston, leading the NBA in four statistical categories, including points per game at 124.8. Which of the following categories do the Pacers not lead the league in? Is it assist per turnover ratio? Points in the paint per game, field goal percentage, or assists per game? Points in the paint. Number three here, Tyler. Joel Embiid scored 70 against the Spurs on Monday of last week, with Luka Doncic scoring 73 against the Hawks last Friday. It marks just the second time in NBA history there have been two 70-point games in the same month. When was the first time? Was it January 06, April 94, November 62, or November 60? Go with D. What an impossible question. How the <laughs> hell is he supposed to know that? Tyler, don't and, guess D. And, and guess, you, guess, guess something else. You couldn't even give him a hint because, know, you know. Well, I'm going to give him a hint here. Don't guess D, Tyler, but it's very close to D. Go with D. <laughs> 
glad you, you feel bad for Tyler. No, it's the potholes. I mean, it's the potholes on Washington Street. What year? I mean, uh, come on now. Question number four, Tyler. Pat Mahomes enters Super Bowl 58 as the reigning Super Bowl MVP. Who was the last player to win most valuable player honors in back-to-back Super Bowls? Was it Tom Brady, Bart Starr, Joe Montana, or Terry Bradshaw? Terry Bradshaw. Good work, hey, Kyler. All right, number five to close it out. The Chiefs will try to repeat as Super Bowl champs when they face the 49ers in Super Bowl 58. A win would make the Chiefs the ninth team to win back-to-back Super Bowls. No team has won three straight Super Bowls. Name the current NFL franchise that won its league championship five years in a row. Green Bay Packers, the Cleveland Browns, the Chicago Bears, or the Houston Oilers? Green Bay Packers. Tyler, what's your... uh, Do you live in Irvington, Tyler? No, no, no. It's Outsiders. Got it, got it. Do you have a favorite Irvington joint? I don't know if you are a frequent passer through there. Uh... I mean, Giacomo's is always the go-to at work. Sure, sure. Giacomo's the staple. Andy Sweeney, are you frequent visitors? Oh, yeah. When my wife was off work, you know, when we, we could, you know, go down there and get the slice for lunch, get the, get the lunch special at like 1 o'clock. We used to do that a couple times. That sure. Perfect right there. Yeah. Uh, Tyler's effort, I guess, better than yesterday. Yeah, not too bad, Tyler. I, I, I don't know if that's saying that. You got Jalen Rose, that's number one. I mean, you helped helped him quite a bit. I mean, the whole thing there, Jalen Rose, 18.2 points per game. It is. Reggie, 18.1. Jalen, 18.2. Rick Smith's 12.9. Crozier, Scotty, how high was he on the list in the playoff series? I thought Tyler was asking a good question there. What was up there? He would have been much higher. Yeah, a few points. Remember, he was great in the finals and got a big contract out of that. Uh, question number two, the Pacers do not lead the league in assists per turnover ratio. That's one of the main things they do not. They do lead the league. Points in the paint, field goal percentage, and assists per game. Points in the paint, I would have What's that? Points in the paint, I would not have guessed. Well, you know it's the NBA. You got to shoot either at the basket or you got to shoot a three-pointer. So Right. It's just yeah. you would think more of a team with a concentrated big man in the middle would. You know, Embiid sure. or Jokic or... Somebody like that. Yeah, November 62, Terry Bradshaw was correct. Not the Green Bay Packers, the Cleveland Browns. It was time to, you know, get the out of there. Not a bad job Sorry, by Tyler. Tyler. He got a couple. Two or three, not bad. That seems a little harsh for Tyler. Yeah, he's doing good. He ain't kidding, though. Washington Street is tore up, brother. Whew. Well, again, which Oof. street is not at this point? Allen chimes in here. I didn't realize this. He goes, Jalen Rose sometimes brags about leading the team in scoring that year. He passed Reggie on the last game of the season. <laughs> Diddy, that's fantastic. You know the funniest thing about those numbers? You know, it's not that long ago, but the funniest thing is it was 18 per game. You know, it's just how much, how little the NBA scored even then oh compared to now that eight, you know, 18 per game, you know. How many guys in the league right now average 18 per game? It's I mean, got to be substantial. Like the man on the roster at yeah, this point. Yeah, that's how I feel. Like, I mean, you I know, mean the Pacers put them. out a graphic every night of like seven guys tonight in double figures. Yeah. And, Scotty, I'm trying to think. I'm going to try and look this up. Was it the 03 Conference Finals? Was that Pacers-Pistons? See if I can find the scoring outputs from those games. I mean, it was literally just like the first team to... I, I I would say 75, and then I'm like, maybe it was too, too much on that. 
Okay, yeah, right here. It was the 03-04 conference final. So I guess that would have been, what, the year after the brawl? I'm trying to think of where or the year prior to the brawl here. Of course, our, our Wi-Fi is just absolutely awful. I, I was wondering. I was having some issues with the Wi-Fi. That's one of the first times I've had issues with the Wi-Fi here. I have to be honest. That's pretty good for a company not to have that much lag. Happens all the time. The ultimate Reset seize, the router. Sir. We will share this information on the other <laughs> side. We'll do it one final time. All right, hanging on the drivehuber.com studios. Reminder, you miss any of Mike DeCourcy, Rick Carlisle, or any of our Pacer Colts and everything in between conversations. You can check that out every single day, 1075thefan.com. Check out the YouTube as well. Mark, I'm putting you on the spot here. It's Aaron Neesmith is on with uh, Query and Company yep. at 1230 today. Uh-huh, 1230. Is that right? All right, so good Possibly deal. Possibly they might Boston have, for him. They might have Tyrese Halliburton on Wednesday, so we'll see. Well, there you go. So, uh, But Aaron Neesmith today at 1230. 30 on uh, with Jake and Jimmy. All right, so you and Scotty during the break, you guys are all enthralled by box scores from what? Early 2000s NBA basketball. Also, you grunted at the contract that Austin Crozier got uh, in the early well, 2000s from the Indiana Pacers. So go ahead. Well, it wasn't really grunting at the contract. More of, I, he averaged 15 per game in the finals. I could not believe how many um, times he got to the foul line in that series. What I really was... Just, again, shocked at it. It's like, one day I'm going to say to Max Bowen, you should have seen when I was growing up how these NBA teams scored back in the day. Pacers-Pistons 2004 (laughs) Eastern Conference Finals, okay? These are the final scores of the games. Final scores. In today's league, this would be halftime. Maybe the first media time out of the third quarter. Yeah, because the Pacers have scored on been scored on in the seventies this season multiple times by halftime. Didn't Phoenix have eighty yeah. on them the other night. Yeah, again, getting to seventy by halftime is not crazy. Game one, seventy eight, seventy four. <laughs> Game two, seventy two, sixty seven. Game three, offensive explosion, eighty five, seventy eight. Wow. Game four, eighty three, sixty eight. Game five, eighty three, sixty five. And in the clincher of Game six. Nothing says grind it out, four corners offense, the shot clock is broken like a good old-fashioned 69-65 to 65 nice. clinching game. Oh, goodness. 69-65. You know, the Pacers scored. <laughs> Do I have this correctly here? Am I seeing this right? You had scoring of 11 and 10 points in the first and second quarters for the entire quarter. That's big time. Yeah, that's big time. I mean, what would over-unders be in those games? Well, that's what I was going to say. 120? Yeah, I mean, the over-under tonight's basically 245. You get a 244 and a half, 250, you know, it's our 245. It's basically that. It's 245. I mean, the over for these games, yeah, what it had to be, what, 125? And it's 135 in some of these games. I mean, obviously, a lot of this is like the Pacers Pistons did kind of just grind it to a halt and they were two very defensive minded teams. But I'm scoring at the NBA final scores. The Lakers scored 68 in game three of the finals. Yeah, you guys remember whenever teams teams hit 100, that used to be the big threshold. You get free Chick fil A or Arby's or Penn Station or something like that. An overtime game in the finals, Lakers Pistons, 99 to 91 in overtime. One. 100-point game in the in uh, the NBA Finals. That was the Pistons clinching it, 187. So where do you come down on this? Are you 140 points per game uh, for, you know, I don't know, like tonight? Are you fine with 140 versus 138, or would you rather have something in the 80s maybe? 
Well, I, you know, there's probably a bit of a happy medium, but yes, I am much more on the give me offense. Go score a bunch of points. Yeah, yeah then grind it out there. Shout out to Rick Carlisle. It was entertaining as always. There might have been a cuss word or two in there. That'll be up on the podcast. Some good Colts and Pacers conversation around that. We'll toss that in on the pod as well. Again, a reminder for everyone, 7.30. That is the tip time tonight. That is the tip time all week long for the Pacers. A little bit of adjustment from normal. Everybody have a great Tuesday. We'll talk to you tomorrow. It was time to, you know, get the out of there.